Blog Talk Radio. Here, 
we could still do the show and be together. So, um, and with that said, <laughs> first time, maybe the last time, who knows? But tonight, you got the brothers hosting the show. You've got me, Commissioner T, and you've got from Bristol, Connecticut, now living in the ATL, uh, the man that's sometimes called the voice of reason on the show, the man that brings some level of calmness to some of the discussion with his even keel manner, and the man as the, known as my younger brother, JB. Welcome to the Madden Voice. Appreciate it, my brother. Uh, sorry for being a little tardy, but um, little man had surgery yesterday on his sinuses, and we had to get him flushed out, and I've got baby girl for the week, and I've been working on and off just about since 6.30. So been a bit of a busy day. Uh, I'm assuming everybody's okay? Everybody's doing fine. As our father would say, how's everybody? And as, as you also would say, very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. So, all right. Well, that's good. I'm glad everybody's doing okay. Give them all my loves and my best. And, um, uh, you know, and, and, and I think it's, it's, you know, not that we wouldn't welcome Dr. Train if he called in or K-Star if he could call in, but it's almost fitting that today being December 16th, um, three days short of the six-month, you know, I, 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 I hesitated calling it an anniversary, but the six-month date, if you will, of our, the passing of our beloved father, that tonight on the Mad Voice would be the two brothers kind of hosting the show. It's almost, you know, you probably couldn't have planned that, but it's, it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of cool if you ask me. And, uh, I think on that level, you know, in a kind of a quiet way, let's dedicate tonight's broadcast to pop, you know, cause I think he would have enjoyed, uh, listening to the show. So, um, pop, we're thinking about you. We love you. And uh, listen to listen to your sons talk a little football tonight, and um, and let's start off with topic of the week. Uh, first of all, what were your thoughts on the big win in Philly by your Dallas Cowboys, JB? You know what? I, I always talk about when it comes to teams winning, especially I talk about the Ravens. I talk about grit. And that was the kind of performance that I saw when I watched the game. I thought about that four-letter word, grit, because they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead. Looked like it was going to be an onslaught. But you knew Philly was going to make a run. You know that they have the offense. You know that they're playing at home. Cowboys defense, although better than last year by far, is still not up to the caliber of a Ravens defense or a Seattle defense. So you knew sometime the ball was going to get rolling, and it did, to the tune of 24 unanswered. But then the Cowboys come right on back when they lose the lead and score. And I said, that is what defines a team that is on the rise. When they can blow a lead, be down on the next, the ensuing uh, possession, come back and take the lead and never relinquish it, that was a statement game to me. That was a statement point in that game, and, and hopefully that can that momentum can carry on for the next two games and into hopefully the playoffs. That's what we're banking on. So I thought it was a statement win, a big win, and the way they won, like I said, showed true grit. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I, I think that, um, and I'll probably touch on this a little bit later, but I think that um, regardless of how the season ends, um, people have to realize that this is a different team. Uh, every year is a different team. And the pundits like to 
um, you know, analyze year to year and talk about the difference between, um, you know, the, the eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight, and yet they don't sit down and really look at the fact that while some of the players are the same, um, there there is always a different uh, players coming through, and it's a different team. And you know, frankly, uh, I, I don't think the veterans on this team get caught up into that hype. I think that they have a mental toughness. You know, when they lost last year to Philly 24-22 in the 17th game of the season, Romo was sitting on the bench um, with his with his back issue. And he was, he was you know, I, I think he might have been done for the year, but he was definitely not playing in that game. Um, and, you know, but the pundits like to say that the team chokes at the end, but, you know, really? Because that wasn't Romo. That was That was Orton. So I think now you can't say that anymore. You know, you can't say that the team chokes in the end. Even if, heaven forbid, they lose the last two games, finish up 10 and 6, and are sitting home in January, they're 2 and 2 in December. So they didn't choke in December. You know, they have a two-game better record than last year. This is a different football team. And it is now time for the pundits and the analysts and, and all the people out there that talk football to just accept that all of them just accept that this is a different team and let's stop downplaying the wins that this team had this team whooped up on the saints um in texas stadium or uh, uh, at&t stadium and in jerry world if you will now granted the saints are now six and eight but this is still the same state team or similar state team with drew Brees that annihilated dallas a year ago went up to seattle and muscled and beat up on Seattle in Seattle. And yet people look back and say, well, you know, Chancellor was out and this one was out. Hey, everyone's got injury. Everyone makes trade. It is, you know, I, don't downplay the great wins that this team has beating up on St. Louis and who wants to play St. Louis now, you know, Arizona, you know, uh, uh, um, and them have the most horrible game in the world because of both great defenses. But I can assure you, no one wants to play St. Louis. Dallas beat up on St. Louis, you know, and then to go to Philly and get this great win, sweep the Giants, you know. Let's let's give the team, finally give this team credit it's deserved. And the second thing in all of this is, have, does everyone see why now Tony Romo is the MVP of this team? As much as you need DeMarco Murray, and we're going to talk about Murray in a minute, that engine runs on the gasoline of Tony Romo, period. Murray had 31 carries for 81 yards against a very tough Philly front. But who was the star? Tony and Des. And who's at the line? And this is what I was trying to tell K-Star last weekend, or last week. Yeah, Murray's leading the league in rushing, and Murray's been having a phenomenal year. And Murray was a workhorse, you know, last week. Get all of that. But when they come to the line, who's in control and who's making the decisions? and who's killing plays and audible in. And, you know, you saw Tony go up to line and give that thumbs up because he's the one reading the defense and making the decision. Are we sticking with the play that was called in, or am I changing it? What am I doing based on what I see here? That's Tony. You know, there's a guy, there's a guy in Chicago right now that's making more money than Tony Romo, and he's playing like crap. We're going to talk about Jay Cutler in a little bit. So this team is fueled by Tony Romo. Can we now, once and for all, just put to bed all of the choke and oh no Romo stuff. See what happens when you give him a team, a defense that's fired up to play, a good running game, 
a, a stud for a wide receiver, a Hall of Fame tight end. When you get them all the pieces together, best teams, in my opinion, best team since 07. Not 09, 07, in my opinion. With Terrell Owens and all them, all them boys. You look mm-hmm. at what's happened. You know, might have passed Aaron Rodgers with his future performance as the top QBR in the NFL. It's not. He's right on his, he's right on his butt. So it's time for people to give this team the respect and the credit that it deserves. And that said, Jay, I'm sure you'll agree with me. And I like your thoughts on this before we talk about DeMarco Murray. It's got to be playoffs or bust at this point in time. It, 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 all, everything that's been done to this point, and you don't end up in the playoffs, it's a, it's a failure. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. I mean, you've you got two games left to, to be played. You're in first place in the NFC East. Um, enough said. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, it's, this is it. You're, you control your own destiny. You gave yourself a game on Philly by, by that impressive win up in Philadelphia. Um, you know, now if you don't make the playoffs, which looking like you need to win this division to get into the playoffs, it just that's just the way it's looking like it's going to fold out. It looks like there's going to be a team with 10, maybe 11 wins sitting on the sidelines thanks to the NF, uh, NFC uh, South. So, you got to win the NFC East. It's looking like at this point, I don't, I don't, that could change, but it's not looking like it will. Um, So you've got uh, uh, Indianapolis coming to town and then you've got to go and and beat Washington. I'm not going to worry about Washington. They're so dysfunctional right now, but the Colts, I mean, they're a good team, you know, but they're beatable. They're beatable. I believe Philly beat them this year already. You know, they're beatable. Andrew Luck's a great quarterback, but they're suspect on defense, you know? So this is a game, and you got to figure out a way to win it. Three and four at home um, is, is not cool, you know? you got to figure out a way to win at home. Now, that's your home field. you got no home field advantage, you know? You almost want to call, in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Indianapolis and be like, can we just play in your stadium? You know, we'll just we'll go, we'll, let's go ahead and move the game out your way. So – yeah, it's it's really got to be playoffs or um, playoffs or bust. Um, what do you know about what do you, well? You sound like you've been busy today, so maybe I should give the Murray update because maybe I'm up to speed on that a little bit more than you. Um, Murray, as most people know now, broke the fourth metacarpal on his left hand, and he's right-handed, and he carries the ball with his right hand, um, and, he, and and that would be your ring finger, which would be your your um, the, the finger next to your pinky finger on your left hand. He, he broke the bone there, and that bone actually runs from the wrist to that finger. And, and there's a bone in there, a bone that is broken. And so they did surgery, which I think was extremely smart, last night where they put in a, um, a pin to help the bone heal. And the full recovery is, is four to six weeks which is pretty much standard for any broken bone, four to six weeks. Um, could be a little yep. quicker with the, with the help of a pin. And the type of pin they use will dissolve. So you don't have to go in and take the pin out once the bone is healed. It'll, it'll dissolve. So optimistically, he could play Sunday. Um, Emmett Smith had a similar injury and missed the game back in 1996. Missed one game, and I remember this clearly. I remember when it happened. Um, Optimistically, he could play Sunday. It really boils down to pain tolerance 
and functionability. He's not going to hurt it anymore. They're going to wrap it up and it's going to be protected. So there's no real worry about it getting more injured. It's just a matter of can he still pass block? Can he catch? Can he stiff arm? Can he do the things that makes him DeMarco Murray with that left hand? And if he can and can handle the pain that's going to come along with that, he's going to be out there on Sunday. If he can't and it's too painful and he can't function the way he normally does, then he won't be out there on Sunday. And they're saying they're optimistic. Now, it could be Jedi mind trick. Let's put it out there so Indy can't prepare for Randall and Dunbar. Um, or it could be real. What are your thoughts on Murray playing Sunday? If, if you're Jerry Jones, GM, or Jason Garrett, um, you know, you probably know more about broken bones than I do. Um, what are your thoughts? Should they rest him for the week? Should they play him? If he can handle it, should he go? Should they not? You know, what, what are your thoughts, Jay? Well, I, I definitely know about broken fingers, having broken all but the thumb on my left hand. And um, it, it's nice to see modern-day technology coming into play, having pins being able to dissolve into the bone. So that's great. As far as uh, Murray goes, you know, he, he carries in his right hand, but the strength of that offensive line is on the left side, which means he would have to carry the ball in his left hand. He's already fumbled and lost five times this year, so and that's with two good hands. So with all that being said, and, and yes, I, you're absolutely correct, can he protect himself? Can he pass block? Can he stiff arm? Can he switch hands, too? That's the other thing. When you're going from right hand to left hand, are you going to fumble the ball that way? Um, I, I believe it truly will be a game-time decision. My thoughts on it are that that he sits, honestly. Um, I think they need the Redskins game more so than they need the Colts game, uh, in my opinion. It, it would help to have both of them. No, Don't get me wrong, but I think if there's a game that they can afford to let go, it would be this one, just because of that finale. Um, Dunbar and Randall, those are the two backs that can – they can help shoulder the load. I think the emphasis now would go back to Romo more so than ever because, hey, you know, DeMarco's been a workhorse, no question. But the thing that I did like from this Philly game is that Winton had seven catches for 69 yards, so he was back in the mix in terms of being a, a target for him because he's been pretty quiet the last two or three weeks, maybe even more so. So if they can get Romo some time, get him the ball, obviously, to, to Dez and get him the ball – to, to Witten, mix in Dunbar, mix in Randall, they still that's a that's a solid team still. And I think they still can beat the Colts even without Murray on the field. Well let me let me back up to a statement that kind of puzzles me. Why do you think they can they can let go of the Colts game like they need the, the Redskins game more than they need the Colts game? Looking at the, the standings right now and I'm trying to pull it up and the internet's a little slow. Um, if they were to lose this game, you gotta stop using that hamster wheel internet. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> trust me, it burns me up just thinking about it. Um, I, gut, gut feeling, gut feeling tells me that that Philly is gonna lose one of these two games. And um, I, even though it's against, was I think the Giants and the Redskins are there. The Redskins, they play next, and then I think the Giants is their finale, if I'm not mistaken. Redskins, Redskins on Saturday, Giants the following week. Both of them are away for Philly. Yeah, they're, they're, they're on the road. They're on the road both games. Redskins this week yeah. and Giants in the finale. And, and something tells me one of those two games are going to lose. I, I don't know what it is, 
at the college, just a gut feeling, nothing more, nothing less. One of those games are going to lose. And I think – Well, well, but do you, wanna, do you want to count on that or do you want to handle your business? Do you want to count on Philly? Do you want to count on Philly losing one of those? Because if Dallas ties with Philly, Philly has all the tiebreakers. So we Cowboys cannot rely on Philly losing. Now, the good news is, is they play – the, the Redskins on Saturday and the Cowboys play on Sunday. So they will know on Sunday if Philly won or lost. So that's the good news. They'll know that they won't have to look at the scoreboard because the game's played the day before. So they can actually be sitting in their hotel rooms uh, or home actually, because their home game is home. They could be sitting home Saturday at four 30 watching Philly, which is probably what they will do. Uh, watch Philly and, and the uh, Redskins go at it and they'll know. Um, yep. And, and so going into the Colts game, they'll know if, but my, my point is if you're planning this week, I, my thought is a little bit different than yours. I don't want to count on that. You can't count on someone helping you. You got to handle your business and your business is the games you're in, no matter what Philly does, you're in, you've won the division. You've worked all year to get to a place where if you win both these last two games, you're in the playoffs. The last three years, you've worked all year to get to the last game to where if you win, you win the division and you're in the playoffs. And for three years in a row, you failed miserably. So now you're almost at the same state, except it's two games. You win the – well, it was three, right? You win three and out because Philly lost to Seattle. So you knew if you went out, you win the division. Well, that's still the same. In my world, you go all hands on deck. Literally, not, 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 no, no pun, no pun intended, which means if Murray can play, I would rather win this game. Hopefully Philly loses. We don't know. But let's say Philly loses in an upset to the Redskins and Dallas goes in and wins. Now, if you want to rest Murray, because now you've won your division. Now, you may or may not, because you might now be playing for a first round bye. It might be more than just the division. You know, now Philly's out, right, and Dallas has won the division. But now let's see what all everybody else is doing. I mean, now maybe the number two seed is, 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 is in your grasp, you know, and that's going to mean something to you. So I, I really think that this is, this, is, this is the money game. And if your stud can play, he got to get out there and play. If he can't, that's fine. But I don't think you go into it with a plan, I'm, we're going to rest him no matter what. We're just going to give him – like you might have done with Romo during the season, like you had to do with Romo. Like, okay, we just, we're just we not going to take that chance. It was going to do better. To, no, no, no. This game right here, you need everybody. You know, you need, you need everybody. And I think if, 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 you know, what's today, Tuesday night? So we're talking Wednesday, Thursday. You know, by Thursday, you're you doing your little evaluation. How you feeling? How's the hand? Run some drills. See how it's working out. And if he feels pretty good, like, yeah, you know, got that got that, that guy on the radio called it Mickey Mouse. You know, the Mickey Mouse was that big, thick, white glove. So you get your hand mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse up, and he can still, you know, do what he's got to do. He's catching passes. He's stiff-arming. He's blocking. I say homeboy got to play. <laughs> I, I say you worked all year round to get to this point. You need everybody on, on deck. And it, you, can't, you can't take your foot off the gas. Dallas is, Dallas is not, you know, if anything, the Colts might be chilling. You know, the Colts might be like, well, I don't know if we can catch the Patriots or uh, the Broncos. I know we're only a game behind, but them boys ain't losing. So who knows? They might they might be taking a foot off the gas because they won their division. Dallas hasn't won no. anything. 
they're, they're going to keep on going because they're trying to get as high a seed as possible. And, and I think the benefit of the fact that uh, Philly and Washington play on Saturday is huge. I mean, it's, it's less time for Philly to get ready. I mean, that, that night game on Sunday to a mid-afternoon game on Saturday opposed to playing Sunday afternoon or Sunday night could help, uh, help the Redskins out in that aspect. And I'm not necessarily saying this is a throwaway game by any stretch. Um, I'm just thinking about the injury and the time to heal and making sure that he's ready for the, the, the game, the finale. And then by that time, I'm expecting them to be in the playoffs. Sorry, I'm just expecting that. And they have to make a deep run into the playoffs as healthy as possible. That's, they what I, that's, the playoffs. that's my problem oh, is. Hello? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I didn't hear what you said. You said as far as I'm concerned? As far as I'm concerned, they've worked this far, and, and maybe this is the confidence, not the cockiness, but I feel like this is a playoff team, and they will get into the playoffs. But they still got to win. Will, that's, that's, my, my point is, is I agree with you. They are a playoff team with Murray in the lineup for 14 games, as he has been. They are a playoff team. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think they've shown the grit and the turn. Everything you say, everything you say, I agree with you. The only place you and I have seen a little bit different is because of that, you need to play your playoff team. And Murray is 39% of your offense. He's key. I'm not saying Dunbar and Randall, you know, Randall's probably the top backup and Dunbar aren't, but they're backups, you know, no matter how good they might be. And, hey, it may come down to where Murray can't play, and they say we're not going to risk it. We're not. The hand just isn't where we thought it would be after five or six days. Okay then you have no choice. If you have no choice, then we've got to bank on Randall and Dunbar to go in there and fill, and fill the void. But it's a gamble because these guys and, – and, and remember this, Jay. Murray is kind of an Adrian Peterson type back without – with not quite the speed Adrian Peterson has, right? But he's a physical, bruising back. He can get to the edge. Um, he, he's got a little quickness. He's got good vision. He just doesn't have that straightaway home run speed that Adrian Peterson has. But other than that, if you watch these guys run, um, there's a lot of similarities in their physical style of run. So then what happens when you put in a, a Joseph Randall, who's more of a darty kind of LaShawn McCoy kind of, you know, quick, you know, back? Well, the defense just 12, 13, 14 carries going up against a bruiser. Now you bring in this quick darty back. Yeah, he's going to have a little success because they're not prepared for that quickness because they didn't have that with Murray. They, they were adjusting to Murray's speed and how he plays. Now you bring in this darty quick back. And that, to me, is part of the reason why he's had so much success. I don't know that it's going to be the same when you start him and he's going to get 25 carries or 17 and maybe Randall gets seven. I don't know. Or, or Dunbar. I don't know. So I say all that to say, if your stud can play, he's got to play. This is a playoff team. I agree with you. But for them to go in there and, and rest somebody who could play, who was an integral part of what got you here, I think would be, would be catastrophic. You can't take anything. I would rather go and have him play rest of the next week if Philly loses. Okay, fine. Philly loses, Dallas wins, you've won the division. Um, you want that number one seed, but you're going to take your chances with your backup because you're in the tournament. Okay, I'll live with that. But I, if he can play, he got to get out there this week. You know, this is <laughs> – we, we got it. We, the, the grass the, – the, the first step 
to immortality is in our hands right now, and that is get into the playoffs. And once you're in a the playoffs, then anything can happen. They're not in. And last thing I'll say is so many people, JB, right now are sitting back saying, mm-hmm, yep, setting up real nice. I saw a friend of mine post, and he said, ah, Murray's hurt. He'll sit. They'll go lose to the Colts. Eagles will beat um, the Redskins. And then if that happens, Eagles now control their destiny and Dallas doesn't. Now all of a sudden Dallas needs Philly to lose against the Giants and Dallas needs to win. Now it's a completely different now, – now you're back to – now you're in a horrible position. You got you to mm-hmm. have all hands on deck. You got to go in there and win this game. You got to go in yeah. there. I don't. I don't disagree at all. I think I'm just maybe one step further because of the fact that I have broken my fingers before and know how it feels. And, and by no stretch am I a football player or running back of, of Demarco Murray's caliber or anything like that. No, are you getting paid four million dollars a year? It's that too. But I'm also thinking about what I've read from other backs that have had this injury. And from what I've seen, the only person that didn't miss a game is because they had a bye the next week. All of them have have missed at least one game and then come back. So if was, that's the no, there wasn't. I did read about someone who um, actually did come back and didn't miss a game. I can't remember who it was. Um, I hope it comes to me before the end of the show. But there was Emmett did miss a game, but there was another another. I, it might have been a wide receiver. It might not have been a running back, but it was a pro football player. I had to, had the same injury and actually um, was back and, and didn't miss a game. So Yeah, I'm, and, and, I'm talking strictly running backs, though, strictly running backs, because the two have to use their hands differently. When you're, when you're a wide receiver, you're using your hands for separation and try to catch. When you're a running back, you're, you're, you're stiff-arming, you're switching hands, you're carrying the ball, you're, you're plowing through the line, you're, you're pass-protecting, so... Well, I, 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 think, I, I think it's more painful when you're a running back than you when you're a wide receiver. Well, I I, I don't know. I think a lot of wide I think a lot of wide receivers may argue that because they're they're using every play off the line. If you're starting if you're a starting wide receiver, um, you're probably going to use your hands as much as that running back because every play off the line you're using your hands to break away. That doesn't even count the catches, the blocking that you're doing. You're, you know, they're jamming you at the line. Or they're, they get that, that one chuck in five yards. You're using your hands to fight them off the line. You're blocking. You're, you know, you're, you're using your hands quite a bit. Uh, I mean, running back, you know, Mark, Marco Murray's going to get his 25, 30 touches, and he's carrying the ball. I get it. Um, and he's, you know, and they're doing but blitz pickups and all that. But he's getting spelled. By Dunbar and Randall, you know, 10, 12 touches a game. Um, you know, a, a Des Bryant is really not getting spelled. And I don't know, I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was a wide receiver. He's playing 65 plays. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. But I think, I think my main point is this, this is what it's all about. And unless they determine he just can't go, he needs to be out there. This is the biggest game of his career, the biggest game of Garrett's coaching career, the biggest game of, you know, in recent memory. This is not a game to have him sitting there resting if he can go and and playing safe. No, you play him. You play him. Because I'm going to tell you what, if you play safe and you lose, all hell's going to break loose. Because now the question is going to be, 
well, you played it safe and you lost to the Colts. Now you're going into the last week uncertain. And what would have happened had you had Murray? Dunbar goes in there and stinks it up. Randall goes in there and stinks it up. You know, now there's no running game. So now they're doubling Dez. And, you know, they're, you know what I mean? I, it's just, you got to play your guy. You got to play your guy. Um, and there's going to be a whole bunch of what ifs on, on either side of the equation because, you know, what if, what if you do play him and he ends up fumbling the ball and, and ends up hurting the team? I hear where you're coming from, too. I think we're just going to find out Saturday night. But, Jay, in your good. example, don't you want your stud? If he fumbles, he, I mean, he's already – he's fumbled healthy. And yet you won, I think, every game except one that he's had a fumble in because he's always able to come back and make it up and get 100-plus yards. So wouldn't you rather take chances with your stud? Yeah, if he fumbles, he fumbles. I mean, he fumbles anyway. You know, he's shown the ability to fumble in first quarter and still run for 130 yards to help the team win. Um, so that that's all I'm saying. He he got he got to play for the people in the rear seats. He's got to play. Um, well, we will we will, and I I will come back here next week with an attitude if they if they say well we're gonna play safe, and actually I already know they're not gonna play safe, so I'm not even gonna go there. They've already said if he can play, he's going to play. They've already said they're optimistic that he can play. So, you know, I, 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 I hope that that's the case. I just I – this team needs to win. We're too close now. We can taste it. We can taste it. This team needs to win. I don't care who's out there. If he's on the bench, if he's playing, as long as they win, that's all that counts. Well, I, I want him out there because he gives us a much better chance to win than Randall and Dunbar. I want him out there. I want no I – want, I want him out there. He needs to be out there. Um, so, I don't know if anybody watched that putrid um, excuse for a game last night, uh, Mr. Cutler and uh, the Bears and uh, against the Saints. Um, you know, the Saints at 6-8 and eight are still not quite um, the team that we had hoped or thought they were at the beginning of the year. Um but still have a, 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 a good chance of winning the division and maybe going in at seven and nine or eight and eight. Um, they are in first place. And, um, you know, as luck would have it, if they win their division, they will have a, um, well, they they have no shot at a first round bye, So they will host um, a home game against right now. We would either be Seattle or green Bay. Um, and, you know, those would probably be two teams that the saints would not want to play uh, any field. Um, even though Green Bay was embarrassed by Buffalo. But overall, we know what Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay can do, and we certainly know where Seattle is at right now. Um, um, but that said, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. We don't have Dr. Train with us tonight. Um, Jay, I don't know if you got to see the game or got to see any of the highlights, but um, your thoughts on the Bears, and in particular, um, everyone's favorite quarterback, Jay Cutler. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I saw it, and it, that was – that was putrid. It was putrid. It was pathetic. Uh, it was a whole bunch of adjectives that I, I can't say over the phone, but um, it, it was – I can't even put it in words. Again, as we've stated before on this show, and I've said it many times, why is everyone so surprised? I'm not surprised. I just I'm, – I'm tired of seeing it, but I'm not surprised. This is what they saw in Denver. This is what happened when he first got to Chicago. 
He will give you glimpses. He will give you flashes. He will give you moments where you know he's earned his pay. However, because of his gunslinging mentality and his demeanor on the sidelines and that lack of, of leadership quality, this is what you get. He's been in the league now. Well, I think this is uh, number nine or number ten or eleven, something like that. He's been in the year for. He's been in the league a long time. You're not going to get anything different. He has hit his ceiling. You got a supposed quarterback guru and Tressman. You've got Alshon Jeffrey becoming one of the the top tier uh, wide receivers. You've got Brandon Marshall. Obviously, he wasn't playing in this game, but you you've got a, a decent tight end and, and Martellus Bennett. You've got an ultra versatile running back in Matt Forte, and this is what you show? No, I'm sorry. I'm not surprised. I'm just tired of seeing it. And the reason why they gave him that big contract in the offseason is, what are you going to get in return? Who else are you going to get? You already know the monster that you're dealing with. Who's going to come in and, and give you what you need? You don't know. So that's why you give him the money, because if you don't give him the money, then he walks in somebody else, and now you're left with the what if. But you knew what you were getting into when you traded for him. You knew what you were getting into when you got the contract. You knew all of these things. You're just going to have to deal with it. Nobody's going to take him. You're not going to get him in a trade. You can't cut him because it's going to be too much of a salary cap hit. Kind of stuck with him. Well, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're stuck with him. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I you know, there have been a number of quarterbacks that have been able to you know, resurrect their careers by going to another team with another system that um, and, and kind of revitalize them. Um, but, you know, let me back up. Um, I've said this for a while. I, I've, I've been very clear with the things I've said about Jay Cutler. I backed down probably for the wrong reason because I felt Jay Cutler was in the same kind of category as Tony Romo and getting kind of a bad rap. Um, I said earlier this year, and I will say it again, you, you but not ever, ever, and as long as I um, am alive and talking football, whether it's doing a show or whether it's on the phone with you or whether it's uh, sitting in a bar with whoever, I bet not ever hear anybody compare Jay Cutler to Tony Romo ever again. Um, Jay Cutler is the highest paid quarterback in the NFL right now. A lot of people don't know that. Highest. More than Brady, more than Rodgers, more than Flacco. More than Roma, more than Breeze. Um, he ain't worth it. He got the most guaranteed money of all those quarterbacks. He ain't worth it. They need to figure out a way to get rid of him, period. Whatever it takes, and if that means that you have to mortgage your future by cutting him and coughing up the guaranteed money, then you let him go. Now, I don't think that he would be out there. I think there is a team that might be willing to give up a third round draft pick or something to take him in a trade. Um, I look at a Tennessee right now who would, who I think might be a candidate to take. Um, if I remember correctly, Vanderbilt university where he paid college ball is in Tennessee. So there might yep. be some familiar familiarity with his playing ability. Um, you know, so that's a team that might be interested. They certainly don't have anything. Um, you know, what's going on in, in uh, well, you know, you, you, you assume Carson Palmer will be back, but um, he's not getting any younger. Uh, St. Louis, you know, Bradford, 
injury prone. I think there might be homes for Jay Cutler. I really do. But first of all, Chicago's got to make up their mind. He's got to go. Um, secondly, after Cutler is gone, or before Cutler's gone, I, I, don't, I don't really care. Um, and, you know, Dr. Train uh, was going to talk about fire everyone. He's right on point. Uh, Trestman needs to go. Um, I can't remember their defensive coordinator's name. Needs to go. I don't know about their staffs, and generally when you terminate a, a, a head coach, most of the staff goes. Uh, there might be some salvageable line positions or something, but um, yeah, you, you need to start over in, in Chicago. Where in, in New York, the Giants, I felt like there's enough there that when they get healthy next year, they can be formidable, and you have a coach that's won two Super Bowls with the current quarterback, and I, what have I always said, coach and quarterback? Well, that duo has won two Super Bowls. You know, if you look around the NFL, uh, Roethlisberger has won two, but only one with Tomlin. And then you've got Brady, who's won three with Belichick. And that's it. There's, no, there's nowhere else to go to find that kind of production. So I think Coughlin, and I see that team fighting, I think Coughlin gets one more year to right the ship. I think he's earned that. He's going to Hall of Fame. He's got two Super Bowls. You know, and he has not lost his team. You give him another year, you get his team healthy, maybe do something on offense with the offensive line, go out and get your running back and give them a shot. Chicago was a failure. You got to go. Out of there. Defensive coordinator, got to go. Out of there. Your quarterback, he's got to go. Out of there. You start over. They are an abomination. They're terrible. As Charles Buffett would say, terrible, terrible. They're horrible. They're horrible. And, it, it, you know, when you have a sports city like Chicago and you have a team that's stinking it up like that with all the talent that they have, Cutler, they, you know. And, and you know what? And if, and if the owner came down and said, I think it's uh, McCaskies or whatever, they came down and said, you know, we gave him Jay Cutler. That's our fault. He inherited Cutler. We're going to cut Cutler, release him, trade him, sell him, whatever and go out and get somebody else and give Trustman another opportunity. As a, as a pundit to this game, as an analyst, I could live with that. But, I can't, but your defense coordinator to me still has to go. He still has to go. So if, if Chicago wants to keep the fan base happy, then that's what, that's what would happen, period. So we will see what happens in the offseason. But no matter what, yeah. one person that should not be back is Jay Cutler. I don't care what it costs you. I'm very familiar with how contracts are structured and the damage to your salary cap. But the damage to that team is getting close to being not repairable. He got to go. And you figure it out. Go get Brandon Whedon off the dial. You'd rather have him than Cutler. Go get somebody. Get anybody. You know, go get Kurt Warner. He talked about coming back, thought about going to Arizona. You know, somebody out there that you can afford to get. It'll be better than what you got. I have spoken to team just needs so much help. I mean, they have, they got Marshall, they got Jeffrey, they got Forte. And that's really the team because Tillman, I, he, I don't know if he's going to be back next year or not. Briggs doesn't, I don't think he's going to be back next year. And those are your two best defensive players. That defense is atrocious. As bad as Cutler is on offense, that defense is nearly as bad itself. So you, you cut Cutler, he goes, your, your cap is blown. What do you do from there? Well, I mean, 
you know, you, you make the statement that your cap is blown, but you really have to sit down and see what you're working with. Um, you know what you've got with Cutler. You ain't going anywhere. You know, you're, you're not going anywhere. So why stick with a guy that you overpaid that isn't going to produce for you just to ride the contract out? He's your face of your franchise. He's your starting quarterback. So if you've got to eat, if you got to, and remember, salary cap goes up every year, right? So it was around $124 uh, million this year, and I'm hearing maybe $133 million next year. So there's some wiggle room there that you didn't have this year, even if you got to eat that contract, you know. But what are you going to do? Keep him? What? I what? No idea. I know that the money that they paid him, there's going to be a significant hit on that cap, regardless if it stays the same, goes up $10 million or $15 million, there's going to be a huge hit. Now, how they can finagle don't know. It's going to be a huge hit whether he's on the team or not on the team. So, um, and it, 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 you know, depending on – and this is the thing we don't know is how, how it's structured. We don't know what it would cost them. So I don't want to speculate. Every contract isn't structured. Some are structured where when you cut them, the money accelerates, and that would be a huge hit. Some aren't structured that way. So we don't know what the cap hit would be. That's something that we can research and come back next week and talk about, you know, um, factually this is what it would be if they cut Jay Cutler. Because I have a feeling I heard that it may not be quite the hit that a lot of people are thinking based on the size of the contract, $126 million contract with 50-something million guaranteed. It may not be quite the hit because of how they structured it, but we need to go and do a little research. But you know what? Sometimes you got to take a step backwards to take two steps forward. And there are plenty of journeyman quarterbacks that I think you can get you know, out there, I mean, look at the guy out in Arizona, right? Um, before he got hurt, Stanton, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be, I'd be, I'd go out and try to grab him. Go out and try to grab Stanton. What about Mark Sanchez? I don't know if he signed a one year or a two year, but what about Sanchez? Cause you know, and, and if they decide Sanchez is the guy and they're going to let Foles go then go get Foles. One of those two guys might be available next year. So, you know, there are backup quarterbacks that have shown some productivity this year. Heck, I'd go get Michael Vick before I brought back Jay Cutler. That's how bad it is. I would go get Michael Vick. And Michael Vick ain't done much this year, and I would go get Michael Vick if I'm Chicago. And you can get him for a song because he done already made his money. He just wants to play. So he's not going to demand big money. So there are people that you can get into your organization that can at least give you effort, give you positive leadership that he doesn't give you. My opinion. Let's let's see how this one plays out because I actually was able to find on overthecat.com the Chicago Bears salary for 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh if he was if he was cut before June 1st, his cap number would have been 185 and they would have had 24,500,000 of dead money. Uh, since obviously first coming gone, 2015, his cap number drops two million out of 16.5, and it looks like dead money of three million. So mm. the base at 15.5. Um, the the thing is, that the dead money three million doesn't concern me. The cap number at 16.5. That's the part that I'm scratching my head on. Um, because their total cap number for 2015 is 110 million. 
and it looks like they're they would be right at their cap if I'm reading these numbers correctly. Yeah, but we don't know what the uh, cap's going to be for 2015 yet. That's projected. We don't know, and I and I and it's higher than that. It's not 110. It's higher. That seemed low to me too because 2014 yeah, is. Uh, ooh, are they already over? All right. I, I, I literally just stumbled upon this, so I need to take a look at it. But it, it, yeah, it's just that cap. pretty good. It's, it's not done with that number, then, then they might be in pretty good shape. And, and, and that's my gut is saying that they would be in better shape than, pe- than people think. And so, um, you know, and, and frankly, I don't know that you, have a ch- that you have a choice. I mean, Matt Forte ain't getting any younger. You got Brandon Marshall who's out for the year, but he'll be back. You got Jeffries. You got these guys. You know, I mean – you got to go out and try to win now with who you've got. And um, I don't know what's going to happen with Tillman or Briggs next year, but defense certainly needs, needs some attention as well. Um, But, you know, you've got, you know, we've seen teams like Green Bay with questionable uh, defenses going to win a Super Bowl. Um, 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 New Orleans, questionable defense going to win a Super Bowl. So when you have all those studs, you've got, Pro Bowl level players at your skill ups positions, but your quarterback's garbage right now. Got to do something about it. Got to do something about it. So, so, all right. So, um, you know, we've had some debates on the show about Johnny Manziel, and let me just remind everybody: if you want to call in, and um, whether you want to call in, just listen, or whether you want to call and chime in, three four seven eight three eight nine five two five three four seven eight three eight nine five two five. It's me, Commissioner T, host of the Madden Voice, with my co-host and my brother JB. The first time ever that the brothers are hosting the show. We wish uh, Doctor Train. A uh, good time with his family because he's visiting with his with his uh, parents and other members of his family. So we wish him the best. And uh, K Star um, uh, at any moment or it could have already happened. Uh, proud father. So um, you know both good reasons not to be here on the Madden Voice. But I'm honored and and just giddy to be able to do a show with my with my brother as we celebrate um, you know the life of our father by honoring and, and dedicating um, the show to him and. Both of us wishing somewhere somehow that he was listening, but uh, certainly knowing some way somehow he he, he just might be. Um, so with, with that said, moving forward, um, we've just dated on this show Johnny Manziel, and um, I have been very very um, clear that he should start. I said it two weeks ago, and others, including JB, have thought uh, two weeks ago was too quick, and then last week said I think this is the right time. I stood with my, um, he needs to be in there. We know what we've gotten with uh, a Hoyer, and it's time to bring Manziel in. And I thought two weeks ago was the time to bring him in. And um, he finally did get a start. And for lack of a better word, he was terrible. He was absolutely horrible. Um, And with that said, however, he will remain the starter for this Sunday. As poorly as he played, uh, the decision was made. To stick with him, um, Jay. Your thoughts on um, Johnny starting last game, this last game, and the fact that they're going to stick with him now as their starter? Well, I mean, he did play horrible. That was a god awful game that he played. No question about it. Uh, am I surprised? A little bit. I, I didn't think he was going to have a great game. Um, I had a feeling he was going to struggle, but to the extent that he did, I didn't think it was going to be that bad. 
Uh, however, with that being said, sure, you're seven and seven. You need to see what 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 can Johnny do for the football team. What can he do for this franchise? And, and as you did state last week and the week before, you didn't take him in the first round to have him hold a clipboard. So at seven and seven in a very competitive uh, AFC North, and the fact that they're I think. 11th or 12th in, in the AFC, your, your playoff hopes are pretty much, they, they've been dashed. So let's see what he can do for the team these last two games. He had a horrible game this past a week against the Bengals. Let's see what he's made of. Let's see how he rebounds. Let's see how he prepares. Let's see how he does in this next game and, and in the uh, the final game of the season and then try and make a final assessment as to where he stands. So I, I'm all for him starting again. Yeah, and, you know, I stick by my guns that he should have started two weeks ago. I stick by my guns that he should have been in there. Um, You know what you got with Hoyer, and I say, what did you expect? He's a rookie. Um, I'm not saying he would go in there and win the game. I never once said that. I said, let's go in there and see what he's got. We knew where Hoyer was going, where he was taking his team, and it was nowhere. And Manziel's upside to me far exceeds Hoyer's upside. So it's time, Um, you know, for people that thought, you should have just stuck with Hoyer. Well, you did stick with Hoyer. <laughs> you, you stuck with Hoyer for, you know, 13 games. And, and, and you know, you saw the last um, nothing encouraging that allowed you to stay with Hoyer. So Hoyer didn't give you that opportunity. And you've got your Heisman Trophy winning first round draft pick back there. Put him out there. Play him, coach. You know, you prep him, you play him. And, okay, it didn't work out. I don't say it was a mistake. You played the division-leading Cincinnati Bengals. You thought Hoyer was going to do any better? Sorry, I doubt it. I don't. I don't. I mean, okay, all right. Let me re, let me retract that statement. Would he have done better? Yes. Would he have won the game? I don't think so. But what are you now setting up for the future? Sticking with Manziel, right? He can't play any worse than he did Sunday. So they're, they're, it's just not possible. That is rock bottom. That's it. So now he will play better. He will get some confidence. You know, he starts to make some passes. You've seen him in a full game. Now you sit down with him and you go through the film and you talk about his reads and you talk about his progressions and you talk about, you know, the mistakes that he made and, and you now get to groom him. And I'm going to tell you what, if you stick with him, and who knows, maybe Hoyer's the guy that goes to Chicago. But anyway, if you stick with him, I'd take Hoyer in Chicago over for over, uh, Cutler. But anyway, if you stick with him now, and let him finish out the year, and it's going to be what it's going to be. You get everybody back healthy next year. You give him first full um, first reps, full training camp, OTAs training camp. First, you, there's no competition. He's the starter. Don't come back next year and say it's an open competition again between him and Hoyer because now you just blew it. You commit to him. He's my starter. And you give him everything he needs to be prepared. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. Next year, I think we see a Cleveland team that's that's in a much different position. Healthy, full training camp. He's got the experience of three games, starting three games this year. Look out for Cleveland next year. Look out for Cleveland. Josh Gordon doesn't get suspended. He's back there. The center is back. You know, running game is, is back. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you Pittsburgh. I'm telling you Cincinnati. I'm telling you Baltimore. You look out because Cleveland's going to be ready to play. I'm telling you, that's what I predict. That's what I see coming. And it starts right now. And I'm not saying you kiss off the year. You're not technically eliminated yet. So you, you battle and fight. But you also know the chances are slim. 
you go in there with your guy and you, you know, you prepare him to play. You prepare him to try to go out there and win. But next year, woo, woo, that's all I'm saying. You know, the one thing that I did enjoy seeing that really makes me think that the upside for, for Manziel is true, we all know he has the physical ability. He he has the physical abilities to play this game. So now it's a question of is it the mental ability? Because that's where you really you, you butter your bread is in the mental aspect of it. What I did enjoy seeing, and I think to you appreciate this, was the post game interview. He stood right up in front of the, the press, lights on, cameras going, mic in hand, and he stated clearly he played horrible. Mm-hmm. He, he he owned up to it. Mm-hmm. And he he had that – it felt like – because, you know, I, I think about the, 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 the Jay Cutlers of the world, the, the Cam Newtons at times of the world, how mm-hmm. when the lights – after a bad game, they start to wilt. And mm-hmm. he was chin off, nose all up, everything. He, he took it on the chin and, and admitted to the way he played. And, and it, you get that feeling that he's going to come out and be even more prepared for the next game. That's just me. Maybe I didn't see that or maybe I'm seeing something different. But that's what I took from when I saw that post-game interview. I completely agree with you. I was very impressed um, with his poise. And he was, he, you know, the game is fast. And one of the things that college players on, on no matter what type of uh, level they came in at, always talk about is how physical the pro game is and how fast the pro game is. And it was clear that plays that he would have made in college he didn't make on Sunday because he's not used to the speed of the game. And so that's going to come, though. So, you know, that's okay. That's going to come. But he wasn't afraid. He wasn't – it wasn't the, – the stage wasn't too big for him. He didn't freeze. He went out there and battled. And, yeah, he played horribly, but he kept coming. He kept coming, you know. And then at the interview, you doggone right, he stood there like a man. For everything that they've said about him in the off season and all of the stuff that they've said, this guy, 22 years old, stood there looking better than Jay Cutler, looking better than some of Cam Newton's interviews and 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 others we've seen that that they are that won't interview. He stood there like a Peyton Manning, like a Tony Romo, and said, "Yeah, I was horrible. I didn't play well at all, and I've I've got to learn from this, and I've got to do better." What more do you want from your franchise, your future franchise? If to me, frankly. If I'm Coach Petten or if I'm the general manager, if I'm the owner, right there, I said he just won the job. That was it. That's what we need. We need a guy that takes it on the chin, doesn't make excuses, and we know come Monday, Tuesday, whenever they get back out there, he's going he's gonna to work his butt off. But guess what now? He's working his butt off as the starter. He's not working it as the guy holding the clipboard. He's just starter now. You got to give the superstar. That's what we got to call him. He's Eisen Trophy winner, first-round draft pick. You got to give him every chance to succeed, and when he shows you that level of character, he then you reward him by saying, "We're still, we still got you." You don't go back and forth, you know. You stick with him, and I think, I think, pleased if they stick with him, I really, really do. And you know, one side note that I do want to say, I've been very hard on Cam Newton, and I'm glad that you know he's okay, and um, they're not sure if he's going to play Sunday or not, but um. He's okay. You know, you saw him on the sideline smiling and, you know, being Cam Newton. And then, you know, he did, the, he did it at a uh, press conference when he got out of the hospital. 
And uh, I saw some of the press conference. And I got to tell you, if he continues to get press conferences like that after games, win, lose, or draw, he will change my mind. And he may find his on-field performance um, changing too because he seemed yep. to be a guy that appreciated the fact that he didn't die. He seemed to be a guy that realized by looking at the car and looking at the aftermath that he could have been killed. And he pretty much literally walked away, literally climbed himself out of the car, <laughs> walked away from an accident after flipping over three or four times, but could have died. And he just seemed to be appreciative and happy and made that statement like, I could have died and it wasn't my time and God, God had his hand on me. And I think, you know, ever wish anybody to have an accident like that or anything like that. But, you know, this may turn out to be the best thing that happened to this guy. When he wakes up and realizes that that talent and all that athletic ability and this opportunity is fleeting and you're pissing it away, son. You're pissing it away. Well, guess what? You got a wake-up call. Get your back healed up. Get it fixed up. Get back out there. And now let's play some football. Let's show these guys what you did at Auburn University, you know, when you were the man. Let's bring it to the NFL. Now, you did it your first season, and you've struggled ever since. And I think a lot of it is in his head. Maybe this is what he needed to wake him up. I'm not saying it will or won't, but I was impressed with his news conference. Did you see it? Any thoughts? Uh, 100% agree. You know, he even said himself, I look back at that truck, I said, somebody should have died in that. And uh, I, I agree 100%. If he can conduct himself like that and after a game, win, lose, or draw, um, he's probably going to be talking about more wins than losses after games. I really do. I think he uh, it's one of those the light bulb finally comes on type of situations. And um, you hate to have it be something like this that causes the light bulb to be on. Um, but I really do think that's what, what's occurred. We'll, we'll find out in the um, the coming weeks and months and what have you. But uh, first things first, glad he is all right. Glad it's only a couple of broken bones in his back and that's it. Um, and hopefully this is something that will catapult his career and his personal life too so he can get his whole, his whole perspective in order and, and be a better football player. Right. Completely agree. Um, shortly I will be playing a preseason clip about Jason Garrett being um, 30th ranked head coach in the NFL. I think it's good to go back and revisit some of these things from preseason. Hmm. I wonder how many people would agree with that now. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So Adrian Peterson appeal denied, but over the last 48 hours, um, there's been a tape, um, that has been discovered by ABC News where Troy Vincent pretty much tells Adrian Peterson that he would get a two-game suspension. And, um, you know, the, the league has filed suit against the NFL for the decision. The NFL is saying that since Troy Vincent was not empowered to make that decision, they don't feel like that means anything because that wasn't his decision to make. Um, I don't know if you've been following this, do you have any thoughts on the new development with Troy Vincent's uh, recorded phone call to Adrian Peterson? Yeah, I caught a little bit on uh, on Mike and Mike uh, in the morning. Great show. I enjoy listening to him. And um, I mean, this is crazy. I, it, it seems like the, the saga just always unfolds into something different. I mean, 
Who would have seen this coming? Did, did you see this one coming, T? Uh, no, I didn't see the phone call coming. Well, just just the, the, the chain of events occurring. Um, could, you, could you see this coming? From the very beginning, no. Mm. No. No, me, me neither. Me neither, me neither. Because I don't, I don't know, I don't know enough about Troy Vincent's uh, stance uh, with the whole thing. Um, I know he came on Mike and Mike show and was, was live, and they they discussed it there that he had never said anything about you only have a two game suspension and that's it. Yet the video, or it was usually not the video, but the audio speaks to the contrary. If you can catch uh, what's being said, because from what I heard, it wasn't that great. But you can you can definitely hear two game suspension being mentioned. And if he's not sure what the length of time the suspension is going to be, where did two games come up? Right. So there's a lot of validity to to this this audio tape that they have that's really starting to put uh, Troy Vincent into a corner. I don't blame him for suing. Sue, find out what's really going on because something's fishy now. And I'm not sure what it is, but something's certainly fishy. I have said from the Ray Rice thing that Adele, that there's a problem here. And the whole, you know, they, they overturned um, Ray Rice's suspension because they agreed with Commissioner T. They didn't consult me, but they agreed with me. I said, you can go back and check the archives of the show, where I said that there's no way they didn't know about that tape. And if you read the court's ruling, they agreed. There's no way the NFL didn't know about that tape. There's too much evidence to the contrary. So that was fishy. Now you've got Adrian Peterson. They deny saying that this was done properly. But now we find out there's an audio tape from Troy Vincent, senior executive with the NFL. Now, Cam, I'm um, sorry, Cam Newton, um, I have uh, ESPN on, and they're talking about uh, Cam Newton plans to throw for the first time. Um, Adrian Peterson talking to a senior-level executive, a guy who works for Roger Goodell, and he's getting these promises, and Adrian Peterson is supposed to know that Troy Vincent doesn't have the power to make this happen. And let's just go back and remind everybody why this is the case. This is a situation where a man disciplined his son in a way that is culturally acceptable in the South, but nationwide gets frowned upon. Um, and we can debate whether it was acceptable or not. We can debate it all night. I'm on the fence because I understand Southern discipline, having, having you know, family from the South. But at the same time, the little boy was only four years old. So I, I get why people were um, taken back by it. But the court, where he pleaded no contest, the court gave him no jail time, 80 hours of community service, and a um, $4,000 fine. That was the penalty by the court system. The NFL turns around after he was out for a number of games with, with pay, now decided to suspend him for the rest of the year plus three more games next year without pay. So I believe it's a total of six or eight games. I don't remember which without pay. So in essence, he will miss a full season plus two more games for something that the court said is you're going to get community service and $4,000 fine. There, there's a problem there. And then in the middle of all that, you've got a senior-level executive who's working with, who apparently that's his job, working with Adrian Peterson to try to 
broker a situation where the league still looks good and we can get this player back because they want their players to play. So trying to do the right thing. And it turns out that whatever was agreed upon did not take place. Whatever the implication was didn't take place. And the NFL's excuses, well, he didn't have the power to make that agreement. So Adrian Peterson's supposed to know that. Then why is he even on the phone with him? Then why is he even given the ability to communicate with him? Right. There is something, there's something wrong here. And it's going to go back to Goodell. You know, they, they negotiated a personal conduct policy. They came out of meetings in Dallas with a new personal conduct policy. But they hadn't even run it by the players uh, uh, union yet. Really? Really? Isn't that, isn't that what collective bargaining is all about? Collective? So the owners come up with a draft, and then you send it to the players union for them to make their comments, make their corrections, make their, give their thoughts. That's the way it's supposed to go. But no, this time, no. This is the policy, and that's it. You know, Goodell, I, I said it months ago, and kind of the heat is, is declined a bit. He's going to heat back up. Goodell may find himself unemployed. He keeps us up. Mark my words. He's going to find himself unemployed. I don't like it. No, it makes two of us. And, you know, it, it, it. you look at the support from the owners because, obviously, that's where he's getting his paycheck from. As that support deteriorates, his chances of being out certainly increase. So, uh, it is going to be interesting, to say the least, how this all plays out in the off season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I say stay tuned. I think there's more. And I think at the end of the day, I don't see him back. There's just not enough time for him to get back this year. Um, but I, I think week one, game one next year, he's back and he's on a roster, whether it's Minnesota, whether it's Dallas, <laughs> wherever it may be. I, my prediction right now is Adrian Peterson back in the NFL first game next year. Mark my words. Frankly, I think he should be. I was just about to say, he should be. He needs to be. I mean, you're talking about a guy that uh, up until all of this craziness occurred has been basically one of the the faces of of the entire NFL. The guy is a phenom. You're talking about tearing up your knee, coming back the next year and running for 2,000 yards. That's unheard of. Unheard of. And like I said, up until all of this occurred – both knees. He yeah. Took both knees. You know, right. He came had, back he, and ran for 2,000. Yeah. But, but he, he heard he tore his ACL, I think, in college, and then he came back in the pros and he tore his knee there. And then the following right. year after tearing it, that's when he did 2,000. Yeah. The, the guy is tremendous, and the NFL needs players like that. Now, again, we've we've touched on this before. Don't condone what happened with him and his son. Obviously, we, T, you and I come from a, a different background. We can we can understand, if you will, what occurred. So I'm, I'm going to take all that, put it to the side, and focus on his football abilities. From a football perspective, the NFL needs Adrian Peterson. Tell me I'm wrong. I believe you're absolutely right. And, and frankly, he hasn't done anything to deserve this level of penalty. He just has agreed. We're not talking about a guy, you know, he, he, he over-disciplined his son and he was wrong. I will admit to that. Okay, fine. He didn't punch his wife in the elevator and knock her out cold. He didn't rape anybody. He didn't steal anything. You know, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he, he, he didn't murder anybody accidentally or on purpose. He didn't shoot himself with a gun. He wasn't doing dog fighting. You know, I mean, he over-disciplined his son. 
and left bruises. You know, didn't beat him till he was unconscious. Kid, what you know what I mean? It wasn't like he had to go get stitches or anything. It was over disciplining his son, which in the South happens, particularly in African American families. I'm sorry, that's the reality of it. If you're gonna deal with African Americans from the South, it's no different than dealing with, you know, um, rednecks from the Midwest. You know who you're dealing with. Not trying to make this about race, it's not. It's just about culture and understanding who you're dealing with. And certain cultures do things different ways. So you understand who you're dealing with. And that's, you know, and frankly, that is kind of what I said about Vic. I think the problem with Vic is he lied. Like, that was the problem with Vic. But yep. in the South, dog fighting happens all the time. Is it right? Absolutely yep. not. But it's what happens. There are things that happen. So if you create a policy that says we can hold you to a, land, a, 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 um, a standard of personal conduct, then you specifically put in there, which is in there now, but wasn't in there before, dog fighting is not allowed. Clearly. Okay. You put in there, if you over-discipline your child to the point of it having to get reported to DCF or the hospital or whatever, we have the right to do boom, boom, boom. You specify these things. But if you have generalities in there and then you're interpreting it with your first offense, well, that's your right to do but then you need to understand leniency with the first offense, particularly with a situation where the player has no history of violating league rules. Mm -hmm. So this was just too harsh for what happened. And then for them to say that he didn't have any remorse. I mean, are you kidding me? It's just wrong. It was a wrong thing to say. This man loves his kids. You know, it's come to me. It was clear because the first thing he said was, I can't wait get back with my son. I can't wait to get back with my family. Football was down the list of things that he was looking forward to returning to. But now that we talk about football, treat the man right. Treat the man fairly. That's all I got to say about that. About yeah, before he bolts off to the Olympics. What's that? Yeah, before he bolts off to the Olympics, because there was a, a one snippet that I saw, I think, Sunday saying, you know what? It, it, basically, to summarize, all of this stuff may not even be worth it. I can go train for for the 100, 200s, or 400s for for 2016. Yeah, well, he 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 should realize that he he can't he can't run with them boys, so he shouldn't even think about that. The fastest he is, he can't run with them boys. <laughs> you don't come out of eight years in the NFL, your body getting beat up. Now you want to go? Now you want to go try to be a world class sprinter at 29, 30 years old? You know. Twenty-two-year-old boy is gonna eat your lunch, man. Um, you, yeah. you, you need you need to get that up. You're a bad man on the field. Don't get me wrong. You get an open field, ain't nobody gonna catch you. But <laughs> this ain't pads. This is a track, bro. And I know you ran track in your younger days, but you don't been playing football for the last however many years. So now he need to get get his butt. That's just talk. He ain't gonna retire. I know he talked about that too. He ain't gonna retire. He ain't gonna go run track. He ain't gonna go play baseball. He ain't gonna go. You know, he's gonna be out on NFL field next year. And my prediction is week one, he's on a team, whether it's Minnesota or Dallas or whoever. Week one, he will be out. Pre preseason, we will see him. You know, game week three where they do the dress rehearsal, you'll see him with a team. Mark my words. Looking forward to it. Uh, me too, because guys, the guys are the guys are monster. Wouldn't be bad. Although, although you know, when the tire is right, that might be another conversation we have. Do we really want Adrian Peterson with what we've seen from DeMarco Murray? You know, and we don't need to have that talk today, but I would suggest think about that, particularly Cowboy fans. You know, a few weeks back, I was like, I want Adrian, I want Adrian, I want Adrian. But he's going to be 30 years old next year. 
So something to think about. Do we really want Adrian Peterson? I don't know. All right. Anyway, what do you think about Clowney? Clowney's out for the micro fracture surgery, um, which it is difficult to come back from at full strength. Um, so, you know, he played, I believe, two or three games this year. Um, and this was a guy who was uh, the number one pick in the draft. And they went with Clowney. And they don't have a quarterback. They're on their third, fourth quarterback. Um, they're not going to the playoffs. But, um, you know, would would you think it is too early to call Clowney a draft bust? Yeah, it's too early. We're only talking about his first season, and we don't know how he's going to come back from the surgery. Is it a difficult surgery? Yes. They even suggested or had talked about me having that on my left knee, and, and I said, no, we're not going to touch that. So is it a difficult surgery to come back from? Definitely, especially when, when you have – was he, what, 6'5", 255, something like that. So he's, oh my he's God. got a tall – say what? Yeah, something like that, yep. Yeah, so he's got a tall frame, meaning he's got to do a lot of – he's got he needs more leverage, and it's going to be a lot of work on that left knee. So um, it, it's going to be tough for him to come back. Not impossible, just tough. So he's going to have to have the mental strength and the mental fortitude to get over the hurdles and to come back. Do I want to label him a bust right now? No, because it's only been one year, and we have really no idea how he's going to turn out in the future. So um, I'm willing to give him a pass and, and try and see more from him. Yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't label him a bust just yet, but I got to tell you that word's floating around my mind. Um, oh, definitely. Oh, that know, is it, out it, there. Yeah, the it, you, you know. Have, is out there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was the number one pick. He came in with a lot of height. And, um, you know, the guy that plays opposite of you is rewriting the record books and is a man-child, and you're sitting, you're done for the year. And and really contributed nothing to this team's defense. Nothing. Um, you know, and, and, and I mean, I, I, I don't get how, where this happened. I don't get how he's been pretty much out the whole year, pretty much. Like, I, it confuses me. I'd like to go back and look at the chain of events and see how we got here. But um, he's not a draft bust yet, and if he can come back um, recovered and healed from this, then let's see what happens next year. But I got to tell you, you know, I, 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 you know, the the fat lady is she's she's clearing her throat. <laughs> so yeah, and and we we touched upon this. Um, if it wasn't week one, maybe week two, and I had even posed the question: uh, Is he injury riddled because he had a concussion? He had an elbow injury. Uh, later on in the year, he had the torn meniscus, came back too soon, and I think that's what's caused the, the microfracture surgery. Um, uh, it's He's a great athlete, and I think people sometimes get the lines blurred between being a great athlete and a great football player, and the two can be mutually exclusive. You can be a great athlete and not be a great football player. You can be a great football player but not a great athlete. So right now, he's classified as a great athlete. He needs to develop himself, stay healthy, and now become a great football player. Or you're right, being a first round, first pick in the draft, showing the the athletic, freakish athletic nature that he showed in the combine to have the kind of performance that he had this year, you're doggone right that word bust is going to float out there. And if he can't show glimpses of 
of the potential, that word is going to continue to float out there. So I'm hoping that he can get healthy. Uh, I, I would love to see the talk and all the hype and all the athletic ability morph into seeing him become a great football player the way we see J.J. Watt. It would be real well, nice well, to see. Let, 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 me, let me just say this, though. I don't think it's fair to not label him a great football player when we haven't seen it yet. I, I think the reason he was the number one draft pick last year was because he is a great football player. And so the anticipation was that he would come into this league and be a compliment to J.J. Watt and really give them a great tandem. Um, he's been hurt. We haven't seen it in the NFL, but let's be clear. The guy came into the NFL as a great football player. We just haven't seen it because he hadn't played. It's not like we're sitting there after a year where he's played 16 or 14 games and he's got one sack, 22 tackles, you know, and hasn't done anything. Okay, now we're saying, wow, you know, he hasn't done anything. He's not a great football player. We don't know if he's going to be a great NFL player. But let's be clear, the guy came in justified as a number one draft pick, came in as a monster player in college. You probably know that more than I. You watch more college football than I do. So he was a great football player in college. We just haven't seen it because he's been hurt. So his first job is to get on the field and get healthy. And then let's see if he can translate the college talent to the NFL. But I I do think it's early to say he's just a great athlete because you know, obviously he's that, but he hasn't done anything because he ain't been out there. He's got to get himself fixed up, get out there on that field. Now let's see. We know what you did in college. Now let's see what you got in the NFL. Stay healthy. Stay on that field. Now let's see what you can do. And maybe this time uh-huh. next year we're, we're saying, yeah, well, <laughs> he played all year and ain't done anything. Okay. But we just don't know. I'm glad you said that about college, and and, and here's my, my rebuttal to that. Because you're right, I did see him play, um, obviously not live in person on the field, but I did watch a lot of the games. And the hype around him really came from that hit in the Outback Bowl where he knocked the dude's helmet off. And that was the, the year prior to him coming out of the, of the, uh, of the college ranks. He had a great year that year. I think that was his sophomore year, and he came out as a junior, if I'm not mistaken. It was his junior year where he tailed off. A lot of that could have been because of the double and triple teams that he saw. But still, once you you, you, you draft on potential. You draft on what you believe and what you see. But I also am a firm believer in the fact that that clip was played so many times, it got embedded into the skulls of a lot of GMs out there. And the fact that it was it – was, magnified by his ability in the combine. That's what makes me say, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's a great athlete. I, mean, I think he was a very good college football player. And, yes, he hasn't done anything in the NFL because that's where you where you make your bread and butter is when you play on the NFL level. And he hasn't done anything yet, yet there. And that's why I say, and, and, and stop there and say, he's a great athlete, but I'm talking about NFL. And he hasn't, he hasn't shown us that's my Well, because he hasn't played, though. That's, that's where I disagree with you. You can't criticize him. You can't say you're a great football player. But you can't say he's not because he hasn't played. I mean, there's plenty yeah, of players I, I, that play that we can yeah, say are not great football players. I haven't seen anything. But that doesn't mean he's not. He's been hurt. 
I don't know so if he is or isn't. I don't know. I don't know what I have in him until I see it. But what? But but and but. Wait 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 wait. Slow down. Slow down. And you're fading in and out. So slow down. We don't know doesn't mean he's not. That's my point. We don't know because he hasn't played. Can't say well he's a great athlete, but not a great football player because he hasn't played. What he played. Two games, two and a half games. We just don't know. So he's got to get healthy, get on the field, and then let us see. We don't know yet because he hasn't played. But so what's, what's you know, the difference? Well, the difference is you're saying he's not. He's a great athlete, but he's not a great football player because he hasn't done anything. And I'm saying, well, the reason he hasn't done anything is because he hasn't been on the field to do anything. That's different than a guy who has played all year and not produced. And you can say, well, he's not a great football player. Why? Well, he's played 14 games and ain't done anything. Well, the guy hasn't been on the field for us to know whether he's a great football player or not. So it's not fair to classify him as a great athlete but not a great football player because we don't know. Now, he comes out there next year and gets 20 sacks. You know, we're going to say he's a great football player. He comes out there next year and stinks it up. We're going to say he's not a great football player. He comes out there next year and is hurt again. We're going to say draft bust, injury prone. But we just don't know until he gets out there on the field, plays week after week. Then we can assess whether he is a great football player or not. We can say Geno Smith isn't a great football player. Why? Because he's played. Would it surprise you that Geno Smith made a comment that he um, – has played with Pro Bowl flashes this year. <laughs> One or two plays, maybe. He made a comment that said that he has had flashes of Pro Bowl ability. I kid you not. Yeah, oh, man. Okay. Did, did someone shake him and wake him up? I, 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 um... I I don't know, but this is what I say to Geno Smith. Blow it out your ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, you, you you you've been horrible this year. Period. Uh, what? I don't believe you heard me. Blow it out your ass. I just want to make sure that he caught that. Just not sure that he heard me the first time. Um, yeah, well, yeah he heard you the second, third, and the fourth time. I mean, this. And, and oh my goodness, what what Gino needs to do, and I said this a long time ago. I said this months ago when we talked about the Jets. I told him, don't say anything and just get well. And I don't mean well as in healthy. I mean well as in playing football. Don't say anything. Don't tell me about flashes. Don't tell me about glimpses. Don't tell me about peekaboos. Don't tell me about left foot in, right foot out, do the hokey poke. Don't tell me anything. Just go play football at a high level. Then you can let the fans and the rest of the league talk about the flashes of Pro Bowl capability and whatnot. But until then, don't say anything. Just keep your mouth shut. You're 2-11 for crying out loud, and you lost your job to a 33-year-old Michael Vick, who subsequently hasn't been playing any better than you. But you're still not going to sniff the field. So I don't want to hear nothing about you have flashes. Maybe in practice, maybe playing Madden, maybe playing with somebody's kids out in the backyard. 
maybe that's when you saw flashes of Pro Bowl capability. But until then, don't tell me nothing. I don't even want to hear it. Um, completely agree. And the fact that it's even an issue is what's shocking to me. You couldn't even secure your starting job, and you're talking about how you've had crashes of flow, Pro Bowl ability, but you can't even stay the starter. I, I mean, in a, in a three and eleven team that's about to get overhauled, it, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I got to play my little laugh because I haven't played this laugh in a while. Now the outside chair said Tebow finds some magic. <laughs> that is so evil, man. <laughs> you know scary, scary, scary thought. I don't even want to entertain it. We just not. <laughs> that was on time. There you go. There's my laugh for you. Uh, my laugh. For you. I couldn't really dig it out of me, so I had to play the play the tape. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I figured like that. I figured like that. All right. I just want to play this. Um, let me just let me just find it here. Um, this was this was preseason discussion about where, where Jason Garrett, who is now ten and four, NFC East leading the Dallas Cowboys with two games to go. The worst record that they could end up with at this point would be ten and six, which is two games better than eight and eight from last year. And um, this was this was just some some bull about Jason Garrett being the thirtieth ranked coach in the NFL. I just, this is just, you know, I try to do a, a commission T versus first take segment. And um, it's kind of difficult to do because finding the audio clips to play on the show sometimes is not that easy. So I can't always do it, but this really, I said it then that the guy is eight and eight and had three chances in a row to get into the playoffs and win a division, obviously didn't close the deal, but how would he be 30th? How would anyone even put him 30th in the NFL as a head coach? when you've done that type of performance and you're 30th. So I just want to play. I don't know if I'm playing the whole thing. I want to play some of it. Stephen A. Smith. May I speak? Yes. Thank go you. Ahead. This is straight from my heart. I'm no big Jason Garrett fan, as you well know, but he is ranked 10 rungs too low on this list. This list is outrageously <laughs> insulting to Jason Garrett for many of the reasons my friend Ron Jaworski just made. You cannot rank unproven first-time head coaches above him. What an insult that is. That, that just that disqualifies the list to me. I, I can't. Well, what credibility does that have? And then you've ranked above him a Doug Marone who in his first year went 6-10 and 10 in Buffalo. Are you sure about that? And Joe Philbin, how many times have we been critical of Joe Philbin on this show? What, what has he done? He's 15-17 and 17 as a head coach. Jason Garrett. In that first half season he coached, went 5-3, and three, and then the three straight 8-8. Eight eight. So, effectively, Jason Garrett has never had a losing season as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And you've got to give him a little bit of credit for that because, as Josh just said, he's a middle-of-the-pack head coach. Well, that would mean maybe 16, yeah. 18, 20, okay. somewhere That's in there. That's where I would go. Yeah, because, listen. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> You are winning in many cases in spite of your owner. You have to win in spite. You have had a horrendous slew of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. We all know that. You've had one defensive coordinator after another. And yet last year, you came within one Kyle Orton play. Remember, Kyle Orton had to play for Romo in the last game against Philly. You came within one Kyle Orton play of sweeping the NFC East last year. And you're the 30th ranked coach on the list. 
Are you kidding me? I mean, that's that's just straight hate of the Dallas Cowboys. And much of that comes from the you guy hate? I'm looking at. You yes. Okay. Listen, you call you call whatever you want. You call it hate. <laughs> you call it you, I call it reality. Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell y'all both something, okay? First of all, bring it on, Steve. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair for rookie coaches who have not done anything yet to be labeled lower than somebody who's proven he hasn't gotten the job done. That's my issue. So it's just a difference in philosophy in terms of guys that haven't done the job yet, why should they be rated lower than a guy who's had four years to have an opportunity to do the job or three and a half and still hasn't gotten it done? That's point number one. Point number two, I don't want to hear this stuff about working in spite of Jerry Jones. You politicked. You positioned yourself to get this job while in the mix, you know, rising up, being the offensive coordinator, getting paid the same as the head coach, practically undermining them for crying out loud, and you got the head coaching job, and it, so it's on you to do it. Point number three, Tony Romo's your quarterback. DeMarco Murray's your running back. Des Bryant, Jason Witten, Miles Austin, all of these guys – you had at your disposal. You had DeMarcus Ware and hatching these boys on the defensive side of the ball. You still didn't get it done. So, the reason I played that clip was to just show how ridiculous hate can be. Because, you know, um, he says he had these guys and didn't get it done, right? So where's Hatcher? Hatcher's over in Washington. I was watching him doing these days. Huh? Uh, Miles Austin, and you know, I hope he, I think he's okay, but he's in Cleveland. Talked about Cleveland. Cleveland made a little fight. Cleveland made a little run, um, but they're gonna miss the playoffs. How they doing? Hmm. Uh, Jeremiah Ratliff, who was Jay Ratliff with Dallas, and now he's Jeremiah Ratliff. He's traded uh, midseason last year um, with Chicago. How's Chicago doing these days? So these boys you're talking about that he had. Now, DeMarcus Ware uh, went to Denver, who was just in the Super Bowl, okay? So with all due respect, I don't think DeMarcus Ware is what's made Denver who they are because they just were in the Super Bowl. Now, Ware's had a great year. Um, he is in the perfect position for DeMarcus Ware, and I got a problem with that. I think DeMarcus Ware deserves, deserves that. I wish him nothing but the best. He gave Dallas nine great years, Hall of Famer, Ring of Honor, love DeMarcus Ware. Wish him the best. But he's in a perfect situation rushing opposite Von Miller and with Peyton Manning on, on your offense. So good for him. So there's one guy who they just couldn't afford to keep who actually went to a better position. And how much better is the position? Because Denver is 11-3 and three and Dallas is 10-4. and four. So, you know, so, so all of that bloviating, to use a Stephen A. Smith word, um, about how poorly of a job Jason Garrett is doing, and yet after 14 games, Dallas is one game away from having the best record in the NFL. At times this year has been called the best team in the NFL without any of these boys that, that he said that they had. With Murray, with Romo playing his best football of his career, coming off a of back surgery and then you know broken bone in his back and still playing the best football of his career. You know, Murray playing the best football of his career. Dez playing the best football of his career. You don't think Jason Garrett just may have a little bit to do with all of this? And that's all I got to say about that. 
All right. Let's take a quick look at um, playoff update. And um, as people should know by now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it as we speak. Uh, Patriots, Broncos, and Colts have clinched their division. Patriots went out. They are number one seed. Um, Colts went out. I'm sorry. Patriots went out number one seed. Broncos went out number two seed. Colts went out number three seed. Bengals went out. They win their division and the number four seed. So these four teams are controlling their destiny. And um, as many of you know, Colts are coming to Jerry World to play the Cowboys on Sunday. So that should be a very interesting game. The real, the real thing in the AFC is still the AFC North. Um, the Texans are done. Um, the Chiefs are on the outside looking in. You've got the Bengals leading the division right now. So they would go in as the division winner right now. And then you've got the Steelers and the Ravens, both at 9-5, and five, who right now would be the 5-6 and six seed. So K-Star's division right now has three teams in the playoffs as we speak, right now. Um, and then you have the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Bills all at 8-6, and six, um, you know, still alive. And um, I believe it ends there as far as um, alive for the playoffs. So it's going to be a very interesting two weeks um, in the AFC. And I think the real thing is to watch the AFC North because I don't have the schedules in front of me, but there is some, you know, some of the teams are playing each other here. So um, I said the Ravens, I'm sticking with the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to win that division. So NFC, there's only one team in, and it was really odd that the Cardinals, the only way the Cardinals after winning we're not going to get in the playoffs as if Dallas and Philly tied on it. Very interesting. But um, nevertheless, the Cardinals have clinched a playoff berth, And that's all we've got right now. Um, the 49ers are eliminated. Sorry to hear that. Ah! Um, so Cardinals are, are leading their division. The Lions are leading their division due to the Packers losing to the Bills. Cowboys are leading their division due to beating the Eagles. And then you've got the Seahawks and the Packers who would round out the, um, the top six. And I think it's important to note that the Seahawks and the Cardinals have one more game to play. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, so we, we know that there are there will be one team from the NFC South getting in. And we know that um, other than that, it really comes down to um, outside of the division winners, you've got, um, I mean, the 49ers and everybody else, they're already eliminated. So, you know, Cardinals are in. So you've got the Lions, Cowboys, Seahawks, Packers, and Eagles. One of those teams are not going to the playoffs. And then you've got the Saints winning their division right now. Um, but the Falcons and the Panthers are still alive in that division. So it is interesting that 10 and 4 Lions, 10 and 4 Dallas, 10 and 4 Seattle, 10 and 4 uh, Green Bay, and 9 and 5 Philly, one of those teams will not make the playoffs. And we've talked about that this year. And Jay, I want to I ask you a question that we talked about a few weeks ago and see what your thoughts are today as we get closer to finalizing playoff spots. Um, you know, we talked about whether or not a realignment, if you have a team that could not even be 500, 
winning their division, going to the playoffs, and clearly there's a team that's going to be over 500 that is not getting in the NFL, could be as high as 11 wins. It could be a Philly team that wins 11 games and not make the playoffs, while a Saints team at 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight will get into the playoffs. Now that it's and, – and, frankly, that could be the Dallas Cowboys at 11 wins sitting on the sidelines this year. Um, what are your thoughts now as it becomes very clear now that this is going to happen? Any different thoughts than what you had a few weeks ago? Nope. My stance is the same as what it was a few weeks ago. If uh, How often does this occur? I mean, we've seen it happen, I think, Seattle a few years ago, and then prior to that, you can't even recall when it last occurred unless you go dig it up in Google or encyclopedias or whatever kind of crap you got. But this does not happen often. This is an anomaly. So I'd hate to see realignment done for anomalies, for, for things that happen once in a blue moon. It just is what it is. It's been a kooky year. It's been crazy. It's been it's been the year of unpredictability, and that's what you chalk it up to. You don't go in and make wholesale changes just because of something that happens high in the sky at one time, won't happen again potentially for another 20 years or, or 10 years or what have you. You stick with the script because this has been working. So, no, you don't make any changes. You keep it as is. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree, and I know I think there were some opinions about you can win your division and get into the playoffs, but you don't get a home game. I think K-Star and Train were saying, you know, okay, Saints, you, you won your division, you're in the playoffs, but you've got to go on the road. Um, you, don't, you don't get a home game. Um, so I, I will say it again. I even heard Jimmy Johnson say the same thing. I think you can't, you can't do that. I think that, um, it, one, you're right, it doesn't happen often. And, two, um, you know, it takes away the motivation to win your division. I mean, you know, I win my division and I still got to travel on the road, so I didn't really win my division then, right? Because I'm not getting the same benefit division winners, number one. Right. And you need divisions because rivalries are important in the NFL. Um, it doesn't happen enough to really warrant a change, but it will suck. I mean, I am not going to, you know, as, 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 it, as it is coming rel- apparent that someone's going to be on the outside looking in and Dallas could be the team. I mean, I could be sitting here in two weeks irritated that the Cowboys had a great year at 11 and five and are out of the playoffs and the saints at seven and nine or the Falcons at seven and nine, um, you know, get in the playoffs. That could very well happen. Um, and I, I'm not going to tell you, I may not feel differently then, but knowing that I, I agree with you, Jay, that it doesn't happen enough to matter. And I hope that they don't tamper with the playoff system because of that. I hope they don't, talk about, you know, making changes because of that. Now, if they want to add two teams, you know, you got 12 and 12, and they, if you want to go, you know, um, I'm sorry, 6 and 6, uh, so 12, and if you want to go 8 and 8, so you've got 16, you know, out of the 32 teams, I, I'd be okay with that. I, I, could, I, would, I, would, I would be interested to see what that would mean to the NFL and, you know, how, how do you make that happen? And, you know, does that affect first round buys and all of that? And I, I'd want to see it, but, but I would be, I would prefer that than anything else. If you want to add a couple of teams on both sides, so there's one extra game, then, then consider that and see how that plays out. And I think that would be a smarter solution um, because now half the teams are going to the playoffs every year. Kind of similar to what, in basketball, very similar. How many teams in the NBA, Jay? 
basketball is even worse. I mean, you got 30 teams in basketball and 16 of them make the playoffs. That's you why you have the difference with, with two, three, and sometimes, you know, four teams either at or below 500. And that's yeah. why people look at that. The Western Conference is loaded. You had a team last year, and I can't remember who it was, 49 wins, didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. I'm, I remember. 40, you almost a 60% win percentage. You don't make the playoffs. So and, and and with with what you're saying, I, I agree. I would rather see them place more teams in the playoffs than to tinker with the formula of how to uh, once you're in the playoffs receding. Because you look at your your schedules, six out of your 16 games are divisional games. Now you yeah. take away that capability, like you said, you you devalued your divisional games, and that's where the tiebreakers start. Right. So no, but even more importantly, with, divi- with divisional games, rivalries, and you know, you know, we're talking about Philly going to play Washington this week, Dallas going to play um, Washington next week, and Seattle and and and, and Arizona are going to play. And there's just there's there's a lot of um, synergy with those division rivalries. You know, the Falcons and the Saints are going to play. You know, um, there, there's a lot there. Uh, no, that's not a division game. Never mind. Um, so, yeah, you, you really want to be careful about that. Um, I just happen to look at the switchboard. I'm not sure how long he's been waiting, but Dr. Train is on the line. So uh, let's bring in the one and only Dr. Train. Um, good to hear from you. Welcome to the Madden Voice. What's up, fellas? I didn't listen to y'all hugging each other out talking about these division stuff. So uh, I'm glad to step in at the right time and throw a kink and all that. <laughs> I put some peanut butter and jelly in between them two buns that y'all got together like, oh, man, you know, I love you, bro, and you're saying the same thing I'm saying. No, it don't change. Not, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't disrupt anything. It doesn't disrupt any motivation. Play. You still play. You can still win your division, and winning your division is king because of one main thing, guaranteeing your playoff spot. You're guaranteed that you're going to the big dance. It doesn't kill them to lose a home field advantage. I don't see how it hurts at all. Wait, 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 wait. How can you sit there and say that there is no difference when you win the division between a guaranteed home game and just getting into the playoffs? I think the biggest, I I, I feel, when you look at those two things, the most important thing is getting in the playoffs. Okay, but that's not true. That you can you can feel that way, but that's not true. You get a guaranteed home game, no travel, more rest, your home field, your home but, bed. That makes but, a but to say it, but to say it demotivates. When the division, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it would demotivate anyone from winning the division. Train every year when you when you preseason when these guys talk about mm-hmm. their goal, the first thing they say is. We got to win our division. Why? Because yep. that's guaranteed home game. First goal: win your division. Guaranteed home game. Number one. That's the first goal. First but players goal. also understand. But, but I, I get that. But teams also understand: if you don't win your division, you may not get into the playoffs. Yeah, but but so the, to say, but I, I I don't agree with the statement to say it demotivates because if you don't win your division, you can possibly not get into the playoffs. So. You want to win your division regardless. 
Yeah, you want to win the division, but the reason you want to win the division train is because it guarantees you a home game. You want to get into the playoffs under any circumstance, but the motivation to work towards winning the division, which is why it is always the first goal of any NFL team, is because you have a home game. So now we're saying, well, you, 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 just so you know, if you win the division and you're under 500, then you may not have a home game. You might that first game might be on the road. That's not the same. You want that? I mean, it's not the same, but I don't feel it demotivates the players to win the division. Well, it 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 changes the game. It's not the same. It game. does change the game. Well. Then, 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 why am I full? I'm not. I, I, I am now. Every year, our goal has been to win the division. Now, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're you're changing and saying, well, if you're seven and nine and win the division, then you're going to go on the road. But and your goal should still be to win your division because you know you will get into the playoffs. But don't you have a that, better chance? Isn't it statistically a fact that that why do you think guys want home field advantage throughout the playoffs? Why do they want that? Why the Patriots? You know, the Super Bowl is going to come through New England. The Super Bowl is going to come through Arizona or Seattle or Denver. There is a benefit. I, and now we're saying you can win your division and still have to go on the road. It's a different I, I mindset see, now. I, got, I get the benefits of, of, of having the home field advantage. I'm not, I'm not arguing with you there. But to have a home field advantage throughout the playoffs, that's a whole other, that's a, that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, but that you'll never get there if you don't win your division. Your it, wait, wait, wait. Well, it, it is another whole can of worms. But if you don't win your mm-hmm. division, you'll never get there. Now you're telling me. Right. Now you're, right. So now you're saying, I, I, not only do I not get my one home game that I would have gotten under the old rules, now it's not, I can't, there's nothing, nothing for me to even think about beyond that. I'm going on the road. That's it. I won my division. Oh, yeah. So I now have no extra, I have nothing. I have, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I won my division, and now I may have to go travel to the wild card team's stadium to play because he had a better record. Yep. But he does But he didn't win his division. He didn't win his division. But now I got to go on the road and play and play him in his stadium because he had a better record. But he didn't win his division because someone else won his division. I, I like the I like the idea. I hate it. I I, I love the idea. It's just like the NCAA tournament. You've got teams from small conferences that have sub-500 records. When they win their conference, they're in the big dance. You can have okay. somebody in that same division fall short with a better record. They don't get in at all. The fact that they won their conference guarantees them a spot. Now you're left up to teams that don't have the conference championship with uh, above 500. Now they're on the bubble because they don't know if they're going to get in it or not. And that's what's going to Okay, but see, your argument is playing right to right mind because winning your conference in college is like winning your division in football. You're still guaranteed the playoff spot. You're just not playing at home. So you support my argument with that. Not 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 a hundred percent. No, I see where you're coming from, right. but I think taking the emphasis off of the fact that when you win your division, you're in, and the fact that you win your division, you 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 there's an award because you've won your division, and that's to have a home game. 
Now, I completely see where you're coming from. As long as you have the top six best records in that conference, you reseed and, and, and you have out it based upon seeding. But as we discussed before you came on, when you when you go that route, you take away from the fact that you won your division because you can go in with, with the, with the uh, NCAA tournament and say, hey, we don't have conference champions. You're just going to go in by record. Now you've done given everybody that has a uh, that's, but that's not but that's not that's not the same thing. You're supporting my argument that that's a, to me that's a bad that's the apple to oranges, bro. You can't can't use that one because that supports me if you if you want to argue against me. Yeah, I, I it, when you talk about the four divisions, when you talk about the when you talk about the four divisions within a conference, hey, the four divisions are repeated anyway. Because all the guys win their they got all four all four teams, each one of them they win a division, they repeat those. They receive them as one, two, three, four based on record. So now you win the well, division, you get a playoff spot, and then the two wild cards come up. You, you're saying that okay, since you you're just going to guarantee you a home game instead of make you go on the road. I don't see no problem with making them go on the road. They they're in. They won the division. They're in. Go on the road to the team that had the better record. Yeah, but so you're devaluing the division play. So our division was a tougher division. Our division, you know, we're the AFC North. We're the NFC East. We beat each other up, and I got in at 8-8, eight and eight, you know, but I'm playing, you know, juggernauts in my division. It's a tougher division, and you're devaluing my strength of schedule, what I played, because this guy had an 11-5 record and didn't win his division. So, you know, I won my division. I, I deserve the same benefit of every other division winner. Simply, you know, just because I didn't have the same record as them doesn't mean that I don't deserve the same benefit of them. And it gets real dangerous if you start saying, well, 12 and 4 is okay, 11 and 5 is okay, 10 and 6 is okay, 9 and 7 is okay, 8 and 8 is okay, but now you're at 7 and 9. Oh, wait a minute, that's not okay. Why? Why was 7 and 9 a problem, but 8 and 8? Where's the line of demarcation? Why are you telling me that my division win? is less valuable to the NFL because it was tougher for me because of who I played than any other division. I want the same reward of a home game. But you have have six conference games that are outside of your division. Six. Okay, and I've got six games in my division. Six games in your division. So, and that's only, and you're only playing three teams. You're playing three teams twice. But then you have you have the other teams within your conference that you that you also play. So I mean, as much as winning your division is important, is important. Having also having a better record should be valued as much as well because you almost have the equal amount of games. And plus, you have more games outside of the division. But you have playing division. But that's not that's but train the structure doesn't validate your statement. You're using an argument doesn't back your statement. But no, the actually division, it does. Division, no, it, let me, it, let me it, finish. It the division, okay. the division, right. the division is more important because the first goal, the way it's set up now, is to win your division. Thus, you play your division opponent but see, twice. You can you can win your division without winning a single division game. You can go ten yes. six. That's and lose every single division game and win every game outside of your division, and you won your division 
and now you have a home field game. So what value did your division play? Zero. Well, the fact that you won uh, 10 games outside of your division, I'm just giving you a scenario. The fact that you won 10 games outside of your division gets you your division because everyone else got nine or less. I would, so putting I would so check. much weight on, on the division? Except the reality is your scenario, your scenario has never happened. No one has ever I, won a division. Because no, it's not even. But it can, though. But it can. Well, okay, but, but it happens. Well, we're, but see, you see, I don't live in theory. I live in reality. And what has I mean, happened. Man, it hasn't happened. Whole, no one has ever won a I, I division. You, I get you. Every, division. every year you're talking about being mathematically and mathematically out. I'm just saying that you can, you can still win your division. It's not a theory. It's a fact. And you can also go undefeated in your division, and it it can happen. And 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 that's in the playoffs. Yeah, St. Louis has done that. But so we want to live off the exception or off of what the norm is. I'm not. I'm not not trying to. I'm I'm not trying to go exception versus norm. So so what? So okay. Go ahead. So so what the NFL has designed is a division system that focuses on the division. And the majority of the time, that's exactly what happens. There are exceptions, but the majority of the time, it comes down to your play in the division. Dallas, for three years in a row, had to win a division game to win the division and get into the playoffs. That's what had to happen because that's what the NFL wants. First and foremost, based on rivalries, based on division play. So that's the first goal. That's the system. So if you change that, you're changing the system. And I think you're changing the integrity of the play because now you're devaluing division play because it is. You can't tell me that every year we're not looking at division games and saying, oh, my God, you know, Pittsburgh's got to beat Cleveland and Chicago's got to beat Green Bay and Dallas. That's Mm -hmm. the system because we play each other twice every year. So that's the way it's been. That's what's made the league great. So now you're looking and saying, well – you know, if you win your division and you're under 500, you go on the road. You, you, you're no longer, you know, you're, you're, you know, so now all of a sudden you work hard to try to win that division to get that home game, and all of a sudden you can't get it. See, but I'm not, I'm not arguing the whole if you're under 500. I never, I never said that. That was, that was K-Star's stance. My stance was win division, get playoffs. Got the six teams in. We see all six based on best record. I, I didn't care whether you were under or over five hundred. I said we see all six based on best record simply because you have only division games. You have ten companies. You have ten games outside of your division, and only four of those are within are in are, are in a conference. The rest yeah, and are I, inside are inside your conference. And so I, think have, I think it changed. I think it changed. Yes, and. I think it damages what we've built in the NFL based on success of rivalries in division play. You know, nothing is better than a Sunday night Green Bay-Chicago game. Well, usually. Um, Nothing is better than a Dallas-Philly game, you know. And I think when we start looking at realigning and restructuring how you get into the playoffs, we're killing that. We're killing those those rivalries that have really built this league and have really been the top draw, the top rating, first and foremost. And secondly, maybe demotivate was the wrong word. Um, they're still going to want to win and they're still going to want to play. But taking the emphasis off division play because the reward is a home game, I think will have an impact. 
that that don't want to have focusing on the first division. And then second, you know, after I've won my division, now where do I seed? You know, I've won my division, and now where do I fall? Can I get a first round bye by getting a first and second seed? And a lot of that is based and driven first by division record, and then you're right. Secondly, how well you do in the conference. But you know, you're right. You're gonna you go. You can go technically zero and six in your division and make the playoffs, but you're gonna be a four seed <laughs> because those division games are conference games too. And conference games matter when you're trying to get first and second round buys. So you you proceed, plain and simple. So I, I you know I I like the system, and as Jay said during our kumbaya moment, um, you know it doesn't happen enough to really make a change. If this was an every year thing, okay, because hey, train Cowboys might be the one sitting out in two weeks. Cowboys could be sitting at eleven and five in two weeks. And not going into the playoffs. And I know that. And yet I still wouldn't change it. Eleven and five and not going but that's that's different when you say not going into the playoffs versus versus making well, the they're not going to We're talking about a cowboy team. I I would talk no, no. about a cowboy team that would be eleven and five, make the playoffs, but not get a home game simply because they didn't win their division. What I'm saying to you is the scenario that you're speaking of could very well happen mm-hmm. this year to Dallas. Dallas could be sitting home. If Dallas and Eagles tied 11-5, and five, Dallas doesn't get into the playoffs. Eagles win the division, and Dallas sits home. Um, who, more than who, likely. But who's the, who's the, but who's the, um, who's the wild card that beats them at 11-5? Seattle. Would Seattle. Be, and, 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 no, and. That's, yeah, Seattle would have to have 12 wins, right? Well, Seattle's going to win the division. You've got Seattle, I mean, you've got in, – in a three-way tie between Seattle, um, Dallas, and uh, either Green Bay or Detroit, because one of them is going to win the division, yeah. Dallas is the odd team out based on conference record. Right. Because as it stands, it's hard to Seattle and Green uh, Bay as it stands today. Right. So in I a thought three-way – no, Wait, wait, wait. I thought – no, it's head-to-head before conference no, record. Okay, no, no. No, conference record. Not head to head on a three way. It's head to head if it's a two way. Oh, on three way. Oh. Three way conference record. Dallas would lose in a three way. No matter how you slice it, three teams tie and Dallas is one of them. Dallas is out because of conference record. And and y'all forget it wasn't a year ago. Arizona was a ten win team and they were sitting at home watching the playoffs just like us. Yeah, but but that's a different. That's a different scenario than saying. You you are at eleven and five and you're making the playoffs and you're you don't have a home game. I'm not I'm I'm not look, I'm not looking at the scenario of a team that gets eleven wins and, or gets ten wins and doesn't make it. Heck, we were, we were, we were in those shoes, you know. You yeah, but had, my, my my point is we're sitting home at eleven and five while a Saints team okay. is going and having a home game, not just in the playoffs, but a home game at what the best is eight and eight, maybe seven and nine. Well, that's, I, that's I, I, I feel you, but my, my, what I'm, the, what the change that I'm promoting doesn't affect the fact that you. No, I know the change that you're promoting. I, I okay. understand that change that you're promoting. Okay, fine. Dallas could be 
you know, hypothetically, there's a chance that Philly wins the division. Dallas is a wild card at 11 and five, and goes on the road to right. play the Saints in New Orleans at seven and nine. Which this Your year wouldn't be a bad idea because y'all Saints. y'all kick butt on the road. Yeah, we do. But, and, and, and that's true. but your change would have the Saints probably come into Dallas under that scenario. Then. Yes, exactly. It would. Right. It would. So, so regardless of all of that, what I'm saying is I'm okay. I know that, and I'm still okay. Now, you're right. Frankly, this year, Dallas is 7-0 on the road. Unbelievable. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I, I, wish, I wish we can call um, Indianapolis that's and amazing. go on the road. And it really is. And go on the road and play Indianapolis. And, and three and four at home, go figure. And go play Indianapolis on the road. But it is what it is. Um, so anyway, we beat this up enough. Train, let me give you a little airtime. We talked about it earlier, but um, I, I know we can actually go ahead and give you your um, your rant now because I know you you've got a lot to say about um, um, your Bears and uh, Jason and I, uh, JB and I covered it earlier. But man, it's your team. I feel your pain. Train's philosophy: fire everybody. The floor is yours. I appreciate it, and I'm not going to take long. Um, uh, I, just, I just wanted to hop in real quick, man, and just, you know, I, it's hard to stay away from the show, man. It's the only week I get to really, really shoot football amongst people, intelligent football handlers. So. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going to do my rant, and then I'm going to head on off here. Thank you for the time. But, yeah, real talk, everybody goes. Everybody. I will only give the GM a second chance because, just like you give the head coach a check, maybe a second chance to get a defense, a different defense coordinator, okay, I will probably give the GM a second chance because he has hit it on the head with some draft picks. You know, Kyle Fuller, barring that he stays healthy, he looks good. Kyle Long, great addition to the offensive line. Dude, it going head up in, in Dumbledore Soup. Awesome. And he, Alshon Jeffries, he found him. He went and grabbed Brandon Marshall. I think he's doing everything you can as far as bringing talent to the team. So I'll give the GM another shot. Trust me. And all of his boys, you unload them. Jay Cutler, I don't care how you do it, even if you got to part the red seat, you find a way to get rid of this cat. Cut your losses with him as your quarterback. I'm sorry. This guy took his money, and he's happy. He knows he doesn't have to do anything else because he gets $54 million guaranteed. And there's no way you can take it from him because he's on side and side the dotted line. And he's playing like crap. Damn, it look like on purpose. He just doesn't care. He's nowhere near the same dude. I've been to Jay Cutler for years. Why? Because I saw a guy that was trying to play, trying his best to work with whatever he had. And even last year, he played better. He played just with a better sense of urgency than he's playing this year. You've got to be kidding me. The Saints have allowed everybody to put up points on this. Everybody, from the cheerleaders to the water board to the fans, have been able to take 11 people on the field and move the ball and score on the Saints. You mean to tell me we can't get zero in one half with the players we got? We do the damn we missing Brandon Marshall. We got plenty of other, plenty of other talent. And we don't score? Are you serious? Trust me, got to go. If they keep him, they're only keeping him because it's a quote-unquote right thing to do. We signed him for four years. Who so give a damn? He got to go. Now, Tucker got to go. Be Camilla, everyone. Gone. You should have got Bruce Harris when you had the chance. I don't know what he was, know what GM, what the GM was thinking, but hey, we'll give you a second chance to get it right. You'll get it right second chance, and you got to go for it. But next year, to bring Tressman back and Jay Cutler back, you pretty much going to put us through the same thing you you just did this year. Mind you, earlier they tried to make a comparison between Lovey Smith and Mike Bissett as far as record being twelve and four after you know after so many games. 
I was I didn't see the Mike Diggy game. Sorry, I was still a toddler. I wasn't watching the Bears, right? I was playing with toy trucks, Legos, stuff like that. But I did see Lovey Smith there. Now, mind you, Mike Dick went on to win the Super Bowl in three years. Lovey Smith took the Bears to the Super Bowl. And mind you, in his first year, that's where all the losses came in. The first year, the Bears were like 4 and 12 because we lost Erlacher, we lost Rex Grossman. Yeah, we know that Sexy Rex can throw it to, would throw it to anybody, but still, he was the golden child at that time. We lost some of everybody on all things in defense. So we had a really bad record the first. But the second year, we went 11 and 5 into the playoffs. In the third year, we went 13 and 3 into the Super Bowl. I don't see that with Mark Tristan. This all things look like it's funny. It, it looks embarrassing. These things look embarrassing. Oakland has a worse record than us, and I still think they're a better team than we are. Dude, everyone has to go. You can't you can't rationalize a reason to keep anybody. Not one reason. Not to a fan, not even to the dog. Everybody got to go. All right, man, I'm done. So one question that Jay and I batted around. And we looked into it a little bit, and we don't have to get into details. Now, are you saying regardless of the financial impact on Cutler's contract, get rid of him? He's out of there. You can't cut him. That's the thing. It would have to be a trade. But I promise you, man, I would take I would take six chilies, three water boys, and your, your <laughs> best diehard fan to get rid of Jake Cutler. I don't even want to draft it. <laughs> give, me your, give me the undrafted dude that's sitting on the side that you ain't even going to let play. Just unload the contract. Get the money. Because if you unload the contract, then the guaranteed money is taken care of by somebody else. And you get your money. Some kind of way. You can't cut them. You're stuck with them. Your trade is the only way. Only way to get rid of them. Okay. I, 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 I was clear to say, get rid of them and figure it out. You just you just figure it out. Um, it, it may not be the cap hit that some people are thinking. If he's cut, um, it would be, mm-hmm. but it may not be as bad based on our quick, quick look. But um, we're, I, we we are in complete agreement that he, he you know he got to go, and um, I said Tressman's got to go, and. The only way, if the general manager or the owner said, we stuck Tressman with Cutler, we're going to give him a chance to go get his own guy, maybe there's something there. Maybe. Because that's not – that he inherited Cutler. Um, and Tressman is known as yeah. an offensive coach. So maybe there's something to discuss there. Maybe. But they would have to determine that if, if, if is there. But, but yeah. regardless – Cutler, yeah, Cutler, Cutler's just, Cutler's just. But you see, you, well, you didn't even see, there was nothing yesterday that says they're improving or getting better or something's meshing. That was nothing, show. That game was embarrassing, bro. Like, really? Zero in the half and you only scored 21? Is that what it takes? Mm. That is, that is Crazy. I mean, if anything, oh, for one thing, I don't care what they do next year, but you, you better find a quarterback. You better find a quarterback. 
And if he beats Jay Cutler out in that offense, then he beats him out in that offense. If you're going to keep Jay Cutler, damn it, don't give him the keys to the car anymore. He's on punishment. You get another guy in there, and you make him I like that one. He's on punishment for standing in the corner. Because <laughs> he, don't, he don't deserve to drive this car. He don't deserve the keys to this house. I, yeah. I, you, you said it all, brother, and it's your team. So you're pretty much echoing what Jay and I were saying earlier, just with a little more authority. Um, and a little more passion because it's your team. And I, I felt for you last night, bro. I really did. Um, you got your man. text, you know, last stand. I said, I got your text, hashtag last stand. And uh, I'm like, mm, yeah, it looks like they're sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, so, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, before, you, before you go, one one last oh, thing man. before you go. Yeah. How about you, Cowboys? All right, all right. That's all. That's all. Hey, man, hey. Great win, bro. Me and my dad sat and watched that game, man. It was uh, it, it was kind of fun to watch. He, he's not, he, he's a cowboy hater too, but I just I laughed at him. I, I thought it was like I actually got sleepy towards the end of the game because we had a long day, had a long day today. So, you know, my you can only imagine what my weekend has been like. But um, yeah, that was that was a great that was a great win, man. And, yes, it um, was. Yes, it was. It, it, it really, it really was. I mean, y'all got up. The Eagles bounced back. That's why I love to see them football, and you got held it on. And the fact that they try to cover Dez Bryant one on one, idiotic. But you know, whatever. You want to be stupid? Be stupid. We'll take advantage of it. Way to go. So, yeah, yeah. Great win. Great momentum going into next week to go up against the Colts. Unfortunately, y'all playing at home, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what what I would say just just as a thought on that is um home record has been more difficult than the away record. So people should realize that there is something to be said for that. Um before last week's game, the home team records were something like forty seven and forty four or something like that, and the away team records wow. was like twenty eight and fifty. Um this was before the Philly game. So, you know, there is some reason for the home struggles. We actually have been playing higher quality teams. But we did beat, you know, at the time what people thought was a pretty good Saints team at home. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we while we lost to Arizona, that was with Brandon Wiener. We certainly battled them, you know, and had a chance to win going into the fourth quarter. Uh, an Arizona team, you know, um, you know, for whatever they're worth. We beat so, Seattle at home, man. I'm sorry. That's king. Well, beat Seattle that's and king, Seattle. Dude. I think the game, I think, I think, you know, and, and not to preview what I'm about to say in a few minutes, but, you know, real quick, and then I'll let you get on out of here. Dallas lost first game. Well, Romo was coming off back, Sergio's game one. They lost. Dallas lost mm-hmm. the game to um, Washington. Romo got knocked out of that game. Okay. Dallas mm-hmm. lost the game to um, um, Arizona. Romo didn't play. Dallas lost the game to Philly in Philly. Romo had uh, pretty much three days rest in between games. There's your four losses. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not making excuses. I'm stating a fact. Ten games, no, you, ten you days rest. It. Well, ten days rest. We went into Philly. Romo did his job. Now mm-hmm. we're on a regular schedule again. I don't think they're going to lose. Before the playoffs, I think they win the next two games, and it's okay. all going to be because Romo's getting the proper rest and can do what he needs to do for his back. So, um, but anyway, so listen, Doctor Train, I know you got to go get back to your family. Tell them all 
Commissioner T and JB said hello. We've sent uh, I, I texted K Star. Well, I texted K Star last night, and I didn't bother him today because today's delivery day. So um, I so told no, him, you know, no, no word on the delivery. Heard, I, was, I haven't okay, heard anything okay. yet. Um, but uh, right. it, it, they were they were going in they were going into the hospital today for it to happen. So um, I just okay, wish them well. Told to worry about Absolutely. the show, and um, you know, so so and uh, wish him the best. Wish you the best, Train. And I'll make sure you get up hey, with me later in the week so we can so we can talk and uh give my best to all your family, bro. All right, no doubt it, man. All right, little brother Jay, and y'all hold it down, man. Hey man, you right. be good. Take it easy. Enjoy the family, man. All right, thanks. Take care. Take care. Bye. So, um, let me go into um the rankings. And um, you know, pretty much across the board, Patriots are number one. Um, you know, with uh the Packers losing to the Bills and um frankly I don't care how many people say, Oh, the Bills got a great D, the Bills, the Bills, the Bills, no one saw that coming. <laughs> uh the dominant way in which the Bills handled um, you know, uh, uh Aaron Rodgers. But um, you know, pretty much we're dealing with the same teams and just shuffling positions, and that's really the way it's going to be for the rest of the year. Um, In some of the rankings, including my own personal rankings, the Cowboys uh, and NFL.com, and I pretty much had the same rankings. Cowboys slipped in at five, but depending on who you talk to, you've got the Cardinals at five, you've got the Lions at five. Um, So so our official rankings, um, really the Colts didn't make it anywhere in top five land, which is pretty interesting. But anyway, um, officially, TMV's rankings, number five, the Arizona Cardinals, which is odd that, you know, number one seed in the NFC um, would be number five. But I think a lot of people are realizing, you know, their quarterback situation is dire. And how far can they really go with that quarterback situation, even with a great defense? So um, number five is Arizona. Number four is the Green Bay Packers with that, to me, unexpected loss to Green Bay. Uh, number three is Seattle, uh, still looking like a juggernaut, still looking strong. Uh, number two is Denver, and, you know, let's see what's going on in Denver with Peyton Manning. Uh, had a little injury, some issues, so let, let's see um, where, where that leads us. And, uh, of course, number one, um, the New England Patriots. Um, they are uh, right now the best team in the NFL, period. you got three teams that are 11-3, and three, and the Patriots just stand head and shoulders above them all. Still doing what they do. So those are the rankings. Um, all right. Um, real quick, before we do MVPs, uh, I kind of touched on it earlier. My, my rant, uh, T-Bonics with Commissioner T. And, you know, I really said a lot of this earlier, and I didn't really mean to, but um, I just I, I'm craving that the Cowboys get the respect that they deserve. And it really destroys their – not maybe not destroys, too strong, too strong but – it annoys me at 10 and four that they still get treated like the eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and 18. What do they have to do? You know, and I know what they have to do. They have to win out and get to 12 and four, maybe get a first round by and get into the playoffs. But I don't want any, I don't want to hear if they get in the playoffs and lose that they're not, they're still the same old team. It is clear. This is not the same old team. And I want a campaign to let everybody know. And, and the last thing I'll say, cause I said most of this earlier is, Nothing upsets me more than when horrible teams have something to say because, you know, because a, a better team might have had a struggle. 
you know, you fans really got to wake up and stop doing that. If your team is 3-11, and 11, shut up. There's nothing for you to say. There's nothing for you to talk about. You can't talk about it. If your team is 2-12, and 12, there's nothing for you to talk about. I don't care what. You know, so, like, Redskins fans, with all due respect, there's nothing for you to say. Nothing. Your team is terrible. I don't even care. You beat Dallas in the last game. That doesn't change how terrible you guys are. It means that was your Super Bowl playing Dallas. And maybe you should stop focusing on beating Dallas every year, and maybe you should focus on winning the other games that might actually get you in the playoffs. Think about that. And all you other teams, you know, think about that. All right, I'm done. Uh, Trains MVP were the Bengals' defense and how they stifled Johnny Manziel and the Cleveland Browns. Um, Enough said. We talked about that earlier. JB? Yeah, MVP, um, actually, and you touched on it a bit, was uh, Buffalo Bills' defense. Uh, Nobody saw that coming, yours truly uh, uh, included in that. I knew they had a good defense. I knew that it was going to be a a, a good game. But the way they played and the way they handled Aaron Rodgers, that was um, definitely a surprise to me. So they earned that victory, played well, and they get the MVP for me for the week. Yep, I I would not disagree with that at all. Um, I went a completely different route this week for the first time in 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 doing the MVPs, um, and it's probably cheating, but you know what? I, I it's my show, it's my creation. I can cheat. Uh, my MVP are Bradley Fletcher and Malcolm Jennings. Um, Malcolm Jennings had a war of words with Des Bryant before the game. Thank you very much, because it wasn't like he wasn't already fired up to play you guys. And you just fueled it and added to it. And uh, Bradley Fletcher, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, and if I remembered the defensive coordinator's name for Philly, I'd thank him too because he was stupid enough to keep playing press coverage with Bradley Fletcher on Des Bryant. Just ridiculous. I mean, two, two of those touchdowns were exactly the same. You know. Uh, so thank you. You are my MVPs because you are stupid and couldn't cover Des, and then had to, and on top of it, irritate him pre-game trial. My MVP, thank you, uh, pre-game, pre-game trial, pre-game warm-up. Thank you very much. You're my MVPs. Appreciate that. Okay. Uh, pick six. Um, I asked Train to go back and double-check this because I'm trying to figure out how everyone got five and one and I got four and two. I don't recall um, the game that I went in a different direction than everybody else. I I I I I don't I don't recall that. And I'm looking at him now and I I just I I don't think I did to be totally honest with you. Um Steelers won, Patriots won, Bengals won, Broncos, Seahawks, Cowboys. Matter of fact, Why am I not six and zero? Jay, any thoughts on that from last week? I think you may have taken the Browns over the Bengals. Out of the six, that's the only one I can think of because everything else was on point. But it may have been the Browns-Bengals game. Taking the Browns, I mean, I might have, I might have, but man, that would have been stupid. Yeah, so Train's gonna have to double check that because I think I'm getting I think I'm getting rooked. But for now, until he goes back and double checks this, um, bringing up the rear is Train at 52 and 37. JB, while he's closing the gap, is still in third place at 55 and 34. Um, Commissioner T has dropped 
a bit, but still in second place, 57 and 32. But I may have to go back and check some of these because I, I think I'm getting gypped uh, and leading the K-Star at 60 and 29. So that's where we are this year. K-Star with a three-game lead over me and an eight-game lead over Dr. Train. Um, our picks. Um, we'll start off with the Browns at the Panthers, two teams trying to get into the playoffs. Dr. Train picks the Panthers. JB? Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with, with Dr. Train and go with the Panthers also, uh, more because they're on the road and – uh, it, Cam is on the sidelines, and, and I think it's just it, it it gives the offense a little bit of balance and not to depend so much on Cam's arm or his leg. So I, I think I'm going to go with the Panthers on this one. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, while I think Manziel will improve, um, I, I it won't be that much. I'm going to go with the Panthers too. Um, Falcons at the Saints. Train has the Saints, if no Julio. Falcons at the Saints. Hmm. You know what? The Falcons are 4-0 in their division, and I don't think they've won all four of those divisional games at home. They've been on the road a few times. Imagine going to go with the Falcons on this one. Uh, okay. I'm going with the Saints. I think they're going to win out and win the division. Um, period. I'm going with the Saints, even if Julio plays. Um, Chiefs at the Steelers. Train has mm. the Steelers. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm going to go with the Steelers also. Uh, I, I want to go with the Chiefs, but I'm, I'm just going to go with the Steelers. I think the offense is going to be too much for the Chiefs' defense, believe it or not. Plus, they're playing at home, and, and they seem to – Getting hyped up with that crowd, so I'm gonna go with the Steelers. Um, yeah, home. I'm gonna go with the Steelers too. Um, reluctantly, but I I think this is an Andy Reid team, the Chiefs, and this is what we see from Andy Reid's teams. Either he makes the playoffs and does nothing, or he crumbles and doesn't make the playoffs. So this is what we're seeing. So we saw last year, and here we go again. Um, Colts at the Cowboys. Train has the Colts, bum. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going Cowboys because, and, and it's not, uh, again, this is not the homer session. I'm going to tell you why. Number one, the last two games the Colts have played, they didn't look like the Colts that we know they can be. They squeaked by Houston. They squeaked by uh, Cleveland. Uh, two games that they could have actually lost. Cowboys, again, that word, I've, I've used it once. I'll say it again, grit. So if DeMarco plays or if he doesn't play, I still take the Cowboys because they have figured out how to get it done. So I'm going with the boys. Um, my worry about this game isn't really so much that they're at home. I'm glad they're at home, believe it or not, because I think they're going to need the home fans. My worry was a letdown after a – you know, emotional victory in Philly. But having contacted my sources that are very close to the Cowboys, I've been told that there really wasn't a big emotional they, – they were very emotional after beating um, Seattle in Seattle, and they were very happy to get this win. Um, but there it, it really wasn't a lot of 
you know, by the time they got on a plane, it was business as usual. Um, and I was really happy to hear that. Um, they really didn't, you know, they, they know that they still have more to do. And it seems that Garrett has really drilled that in their head. I'm still a little worried, but not as much as, as I was. So with that said, I'm definitely going Cowboys. I'd like to see Murray play. Um, but they really need to, you know, with Romo playing better and, you know, um, let's see how that offensive line is. There's a couple of injuries there. Um, but, you know, the Colts have been suspect on defense. And Dallas really, you got to break against Philly to start that game. But you really need to go out and score first and keep scoring. You got to score points. So, um, could be a good game. Go on with Dallas. Seahawks at the Cardinals. Train takes the Seahawks. JB takes Seahawks also. Yeah, and I will take the Seahawks too. Enough said. Uh, Broncos at Bengals. Train takes the Bengals. You know, I'm I'm taking the Broncos on this one. Um, Bengals are starting to show that they can play big boy football. Like I said, when A.J. Green came back, they seemed like a completely different team. But you're going against Peyton Manning, and he might be a little banged up and what have you. He's still got C.J. Anderson behind him, and that guy has been consistent, and he's been good. And you can put both of those together in the same sense to describe him. And um, there's enough weapons on that side of the ball, the offensive side, and they got enough playmakers on the defensive side to uh, squeak out a victory. So I'm still going to go with the Broncos, probably in a, in a tight one, but going with them nonetheless. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I'm going with the Broncos. Um, they know what's at stake, and um, you know they they're going to hope that the Patriots stumble and they can still get that home field advantage. Um, I'm a little surprised Train took the Bengals, maybe because they're home. But um, I'm going with the Broncos, too. So, um, all right. Um, Good show, brother. Any final thoughts? Any final words? Mm. Uh, Shout out to Devontae since he's feeling better. uh, And and maybe he'll listen to the podcast one day so he knows I gave him a shout out. And obviously, of course, with the way the, uh, the show started, Big time shout out to Pop. Love you, man, and um, obviously miss you to death. So shout out to Pops all day. All right. Um, shout out to Devontae. I'm glad he's doing okay. Um, good to hear. And um, shout out to all your loved ones down there at Atlanta. Um, special shout out to Dr. Train, um, who who is, is – um, I know he's a little down these days, and I'm not going to get into why – but I know he's a little down, and um glad he was able to call in and get a little piece of the show and uh, let him know that his brother's here on the Madden Voice. We, we hold it down, and hopefully we'll have him back next week. Uh, shout out to K-Star, bringing that new baby in the world. That's what we want to hear. Looking forward to that great news. And, uh, and, and last but not least, absolutely to Echo JB. Um, you know, shout out to, to Dad. We miss you. We love you. And we hope we're making you proud. Um, all right, JB. Um, I guess that's it. Well, for uh, JB, for, you know, I always got to go and find the um, <laughs> the theme song to play as we go off the air. Here it is. So for JB, for Dr. Trainer, for K-Star, I want to thank everybody for coming to Madden Voice. Remember, the Madden Voice, all feuds are settled on the field. See you next week. <laughs>